Hello and welcome to the Racing with Rob and Roller podcast. My name is Rob Peters in Indianapolis, and I am joined, as always, by my good friend and co-host Josh Roller, who's in Charlotte tonight. Another NASCAR season has come to a close, meaning the 2023 racing season is almost over. That's crazy how time flies. I feel it feels like just yesterday we were starting the, the racing season, and now it's it's almost over. But thankfully, thankfully there are still Formula races, one races to be one run, uh, despite the fact that a champion has already been crowned. Uh, and we have one more Supercars event, and we will crown a champion uh, during that event, so that's something to look forward to, but it is a couple of weeks away. However, we have a lot of news to cover today, and we have a big upshift-downshift segment coming up to talk all about those news items. Uh, so let's go ahead and jump right on into things, but first... Please remember to follow us on social media. My, I am at rpeters33. That's R-P-E-E-T-E-R-S-3-3. Josh can be found at roller underscore zero one, R-O-L-L-E-R underscore zero one. And the show is Robin Roller, spelled just as it sounds, at R-O-B-A-N-D-R-O-L-L-E-R. Let's jump into Rob's Racing Report. Josh will speak very shortly here. Uh, we're starting off with Formula One news today. Felipe Drugovich will remain as Aston Martin's test and reserve driver for 2024, as well as making a Form F- FP1 appearance in Abu Dhabi later this year. Also in the news, Interlagos will remain on the Formula One calendar to- through 2030, which is always a good thing because uh, that's a great track, and we saw it in action this weekend. Definitely one of the more entertaining Formula One races uh, of the week. I will say that with confidence. Now we can move on here into some IndyCar news. Roman Grosjean has found a new home. He's been named the new driver of the number 77 for Junko's Hollinger Racing. He'll drive uh, the uh, that Chevrolet-powered machine next year and be teammates with Agustin Canapino. Uh, at the current moment, it is not known still where uh, Callum Eilat will land as, uh, you know, Grosjean took his spot, and he still doesn't have a seat in IndyCar for next year. Uh, We'll see uh, if there's any updates to that here, hopefully in the coming weeks. Uh, But something that uh, will be uh, on hold for quite some time is uh, if you're visiting the Indianapolis Motor Speedway for the Indianapolis 500 next year, or perhaps you want to see how the next-gen car performs on the uh, oval for the Brickyard 400's return, uh, or maybe you're just curious. You want to you want to attend some sort of race at IMS next year, or even just visit it. Uh, you're not going to have a Hall of Fame museum to go to because it is uh, officially closed as of uh, Sunday night at five o'clock. The uh, Indianapolis Motor Speedway Hall of Fame Museum has closed for renovations. This will be a as we've talked about a couple of weeks ago or several months ago. Excuse me. The cl- museum is closing. Uh, and going through a multi-million dollar renovation process that will basically revolutionize revolution, revolutionize what that Hall of Fame museum is. Josh, uh, I'll let you weigh in on this a little bit here real quick. This is, uh, you've been to the Hall of Fame museum before, right? Have you? Okay. Yeah, so it's been you, a long you time, but, know, yeah, but it hasn't changed since yeah. the last time you've been there. Uh, it, it's been a couple of years since I've been there myself. Now, I've been to the gift I go to the gift shop every time that uh, I, I go to, like, an open test. 
you know, if there's an open test session that I go to at IMS, I, I, I usually stop in at the gift shop, but uh, I don't usually go to the Hall of Fame Museum uh, because I usually am there because I don't want to spend money uh, or I'm just browsing the gift shop. But uh, yeah, you, you don't you really just need to see it once. And I think IMS wants to change that. Yeah, I think they. I, I, I think it's gonna be cool. Um, I have, I have my own thoughts on what they could do with the surrounding area, and and this wasn't one of them. But I think it will be cool. It will probably be a. I imagine it will be a very twenty first century looking, um, interior with yeah, all sorts of cool interacts, interact, interactive, uh, displays and stuff, and it just it, it, it give it a little facelift, you know. Oh, it's, yeah, the renderings make it look awesome. Uh, so 2025 in Indianapolis, I don't know if you know this, Josh, if you're following in Indianapolis, it's going to be a big time. The 2025 Indy 500, I mean, still go to the 2024 Indy 500, but like 25 is going to be the one to be because uh, around by that time, the new Indy 11 stadium is supposed to be built as well. And that's mm-hmm. going to be a whole uh, new downtown little area that's going to be revitalized. And really, it's just, it's, replacing an old factory not far from lucas oil stadium so it's not really yeah it's an old industrial site yeah yeah it's an old industrial site so they're gonna put a soccer stadium there and have you know hotels and apartments and build and 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 stuff like and and restaurants and places to 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 go and eat and do things so a lot and then the new hall of fame museum will be open so if you want to go down in there and then hop on 16th street and Head on down to the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. You'll you'll be able to do that too. So, uh, big big times coming up because uh, it'll reopen in 2025. And uh, also, sticking with the Indianapolis Motor Speedway news, uh, the GMR Grand Prix, which is the Grand Prix of Indianapolis, that's how what it was originally called, the road course race, the sole road course race now on the Indianapolis Motor Speedway for the IndyCar Series, will now be called the Soncio Grand Prix. So, if you recall, Soncio they sponsored the. Uh, Road America race, uh, either last year, a couple of years ago, or maybe this year even, um, and uh, they've now moved their sponsorship over to the uh, IMS Road Course race for the IndyCar series. So now we'll move on here into the NASCAR news uh, because that's all the IndyCar news we got, they're talking about. I mean, still waiting to see where the silly season plays out. We'll we'll find out eventually, and and you'll hear it here on Robin Roller. But anyway, for NASCAR news, Cole Custer, uh, on the heat before he won the, the title, he uh, announced that he's returning to uh, the Xfinity Series in 2024 at Stewart Haas Racing. So now, since he's won the title, that means that he will be able to defend his title, try to go to def- go to defend his title, try and win back to back titles. Which heck, maybe it's maybe it's gonna happen. I don't know. Right? Kind of cool. So, and I also want to say this before I move on to the next topic. I absolutely love uh, how Cole Custer has, as a wrestling fan, Josh. I don't know if you noticed this, and, and nobody listening to this can uh, can see this, but I'm wearing a T-shirt that my loving mother got me for my birthday a couple of years ago, and it uh, is a T-shirt that has uh, three type different types of angles. It says the right acute obtuse angles, and then. The fourth angle is a uh, curt angle, giving someone putting someone in an ankle lock, um, and it says curt under it. So it's it's one of my favorite T-shirts, and I love wearing it. Uh, and so, as you can imagine, I like wrestling, and I like I think wrestling is funny. 
I, I, and I also think it's it's entertaining for what it is. Uh, so I appreciate Cole Custer going all in on the Stone Cole persona and quite literally doing Stone Cold Steve Austin-style celebrations in Victory Lane. This guy smashes two beers together and then pours them both down his throat just like Stone Cold Steve Austin does. Now what Cole Custer needs to do is he needs to end an interview in Victory Lane or, or wherever or in the front stretch or wherever with, and that's the bottom line because Stone Cold said so, and then we will be perfect. And and if we really want to do this, if we really want to do this, we could have him beat up Riley Herbst, his teammate, in a supermarket. Just like Stone Cold Steve Austin did to Booker T. Josh, you have no idea what I'm talking about. You need to look this up. I mean, I know now. what you're ta- I know what you're talking about. I I just don't watch wrestling, and um, I I guess um, if Cole thinks he's that tough, he's that tough. I guess I don't know. <laughs> he does not. He does not have the personality of Stone Cold Steve Austin. Um, this is yeah. I, when I saw that, I'm like, okay. Okay. I mean, it's creative. Um, it's it's good wordplay, uh, good word association. Um, he's done the beer thing before, and I always thought that was cool. Um, you know, that when he's won races in the past, um, I always thought that was kind of a cool thing. No, probably one of the more uh, um, recognizable celebrations uh, of recent well, it's years. Just what Stone Cold Steve Austin did. Yeah, and and I think now, I mean, yeah, he's leaning into into the name now instead of just kind of like, yeah, I do that too. Um, I don't know. I, I I I'm not a wrestling fan. I don't I don't really like to to watch that stuff. I know, uh, I know you, you don't. Do. I know I know you do. I, I, but, I, know, I have not watched. Uh, I have actually not watched any wrestling since 2021, or like oh, late okay. early 2022, I should say. Okay. I've I've caught a couple of episodes of AEW. Uh, I've, I've watched, I watched the, uh, the first, uh, what is it? AEW, the new, um, not Rampage, the Collision, that's what it is. I watched that, the first one, but then I didn't watch, I haven't watched any, any of them since. Uh, but I haven't, I haven't watched WWE since 2022. I'm very, I have been, a Josh, I am a very hot and cold wrestling fan. Like, I, I watch wrestling for maybe about one or two years and then I don't watch it for five, six years. Then I get back into it again for a couple of years and get really into it. And then don't care about it for several years. And apparently, I'm not. I know for a fact I'm not the only person who's like that. So, oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. anyway, uh, we'll move on now because I don't. This is not a wrestling podcast, and I'm not going to make it a wrestling podcast uh, because I don't. I don't want to turn into Jim Cornette. Jordan Anderson Racing will retain Parker Retzloff and Jeb Burton as their two drivers in the 2024 Xfinity Series season. So happy to see Parker and Jeb. Jeb! Jeb! J-E-B! Jeb! 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 Back in a seat for the Xfinity Series. Uh, And hey, hey, this was pretty cool. Here's some more NASCAR news. Ford had some big news. They are have unveiled a new model of Mustang to be used in the Cup Series in 2024. It'll be called the Ford Mustang Dark Horse, and it is quite radical. Josh, have you seen the the uh, way the uh, sides of the car is? Yeah, that's that's terrible grammar. Whatever I just said there, I apologize. The sides of the car are uh, and how they're basically blades. 
Yeah, it's um, uh, Ford. Uh, we'll get a little bit into this later on the show. Uh, Ford needs some help out there on the track, and uh, it's going to be interesting to see how these help out the car. So uh, Ford doing everything they can here uh, to incorporate designs of a streetcar onto their NASCAR. And that's not the only piece of news about new models. I guess Toyota has one, but they're not going to release it yet. It's going to be an updated Camry. So I guess they're given the Camry. I, I think, from what I understand, is the Camry itself is getting a facelift, and it's going to transport into the... So whenever next year's, or what, what the 2025 Camry or whatever mm-hmm. comes out, mm-hmm. like then, then they'll un- unveil the NASCAR, a cup car as well. So it, this this Camry, this is the first I'm hearing of this. The Camry would uh, be the new one would debut in the 2025 season or the 2024 season. Next year. Next year. Like it'd be the 2025 model Camry. Yeah. Right. So, but so like, so it would de- debut next year. So apparently, mm-hmm. Toyota. I, did you not see? It was in the the same Pockers tweet. Oh, I I must have missed that one. I, I'm sorry. Yeah. I didn't Pockers... see the, I I didn't get the Ford stuff from a tweet. I got it from a news article. Uh, well, that's fine too, because yeah. but Bob Pockris tweeted that after that Toyota was going to unveil a new Camry design as well. Um, for, and for we still don't year. know what Chevy's going to do with when the yeah. with Camaro being retired. Yeah, that was what his point yeah. was. People were yeah. asking him, "Hey, what's Chevy going to do? Has Chevy said anything?" And Pop Bob was like, "Chevy hasn't announced anything, but I do Chevy know that Toyota is going to have one." Yeah, Chevy, Chevy doesn't, doesn't know what they're doing. Chevy doesn't know what they're doing. I, I don't know why they're out. getting rid of the Camaro. They should just backtrack on that decision. But I, I don't. I don't know what a lot of their their executive teams are thinking at this moment. I'm sorry. I want to stop before I get fired. <laughs> well, no. I, I'll be honest with you. I would. Th- this is going to sound terrible, but there's a whole reason why I personally, if when I, I'm going to be getting here in a little bit in the model for a new car, though, there's a reason why I'm specifically looking at a Toyota Camry. I don't want any other car other than a Toyota Camry. Those things are reliable. Yeah. They race in NASCAR, and they, they're sedans that are still being made. Mm-hmm. Those they're are three car. reasons I've, right there. I've, I've driven some from Charlotte Motor Speedway. They're very good cars, yeah. yeah. Very good. And, you know, I feel like, it's, uh, hopefully, you know, if, if my car is worth enough, it's got a ton of miles on it, but... Um, and the Kelly Blue Book value of my car, you know how much my, the Kelly Blue Book value of my car is, Josh? Of a, of a 2012 Mazda 2 Sport? Wouldn't even know. $8,000. Mm. I could probably pay that off in a year now with my salary. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It took me way longer than it should have because I bought it when it was in 2016, when it was still relatively newer. Now it's an over 10-year-old car, so... Anyway, we'll move on. Uh, and also talk more on this later in the show, so we'll graze, on these, go, graze over these next two topics here. Uh, but among other things, NASCAR is unlikely to finalize a new charter agreement with teams until a new media rights deal is reached. And then the other piece of news that we'll talk about later here in the show is according to Kicking the Tires, NASCAR will test an electric race car at Martinsville in December, but currently does not have any immediate plans to race it. The car could be showcased next year, but not raced. The, and they also said that we could possibly be seeing what it looked like come, what, February, January, February of, 20, of 2024. So here in the next couple of months. Uh, so we'll we'll talk about that later I- I- here in the show, but definitely something to uh, to keep in mind of. 
And uh, then finally, here in a NASCAR, uh, we said goodbye this weekend to uh, Kevin Harvick, who retired at the end of his uh, of the season of at the end of the race and uh, his career that has spanned apparently, which I I learned this from Daniel McFadden tweeting this. Kevin Harvick's career in NASCAR started, Josh, ten days after I was born. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's uh, uh, what he started in the West series, Winston West, or was it the? It was in a truck in a truck race, actually. Oh, the truck was his first NASCAR start. It was not a West start. It was it was actually a truck start. That's what Daniel McFadden said. So it was like a low budget truck. It was like a bright yellow truck that had like no sponsor on it or whatever. Mm. So, Mm. but yeah, five, ten, ten days after I was born. That's how long. So I. My entire life, I have basically never known NASCAR to be without Kevin Harvick in some shape or form. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I tweeted. I mean, I tweeted out uh, I, uh, that I feel like the 2001 season has now kind of symbolically come to an end. Uh, and I'm sad about that because he, that was he, a great season. Yeah, I mean, I, that was the first I, season I started watching NASCAR. And, you know, uh, if Kurt was still around, I wouldn't be saying that. But Kurt is, is no longer uh, around driving full time. and won't get back in the car i'm sure um but well yeah, now it, if it, ryan newman it, continues to make starts next year technically ryan newman started one race with dale earnhardt and that was the 2000 phoenix race where he actually started on the front row true but he wasn't full-time he he is definitely uh he is definitely well, you could say the same thing about around. kurt bush kurt bush technically yeah. only ran one full-time quote-unquote race with dale earnhardt yeah, but 2001 was his full seat, full time seat. It was a full time season for him. That's my point. And like you guys, like when you look at the guys who were running full time in 2001, they're all, they're all gone okay. now. They're all gone and not racing full time anymore. And I think that's, uh, it's pretty Ryan crazy. Newman had enough good runs in his part time effort. I think he was in NASCAR Thunder 2002 for crying out loud. He was. I thought he was. I don't. I have to look that on up. I thought he was. Maybe um, that's a false memory. I don't know. But anyway, anyway, I'll move on. There, we also said goodbye to other things in NASCAR. So, uh, Eric Almirola's full-time racing career came to an end. I'm not going to say he's retired because he's technically not. He's still racing. He still wants to race. He doesn't want to retire. He just wants a better work-life balance, which I think is perfectly acceptable for literally anybody who has a family, uh, like Almirola does. So good for him for being able to do that, because that's living the dream, quite honestly. Um, uh, but the, the things that I am sad about is the last race for Kyle Busch Motorsports. Uh, and I'm honest, I'm bummed Chase Purdy couldn't couldn't win that race. I was really hoping that he would and send KBM off in style, get them 101 wins. Um, but I, I still, I, I'm so sad because I have followed and, and been a big fan of Kyle Busch Motorsports since its inception. Uh, and it really feels like, for me, a big part of why I still watch the truck series anyway has kind of gone away. Uh, cause I always just like, I liked seeing who was coming up through KBM. I always liked seeing the young hotshots. I also loved watching K- Kyle Busch race in the truck series, which I guess he's still going to do, but it, it doesn't, it's not going to be the same. It's not going to be the same. It's not going to be in his own truck. 
where he's going to demand absolute perfection because it's his own team. That's the kind of Kyle Busch I want. That's that's the passionate guy I fell in love with as a fan. I just, but that GMS racing is going away, uh, which is very sad, especially considering their legacy uh, and how close Grant Enfinger was to quite literally sending them out in style. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll talk about that later in the show. Um, but then uh, Live Fast Motorsports, they're they're basically done as a chartered team, as and as probably as a full time team. Um, I, my theory is they have a car. It, they're not like MBM who had to like sell it. Like they got a bunch of money from the charter sale and they do have, at the very least, I would think they had mo- have multiple different next gen cars, right? At, at least like two or three. Um, they're allowed to have seven. You know, per NASCAR rules, they're allowed to have yeah. seven cars. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying. Like they have to have a couple. So it's, it, it, I, would they be making as much money running Uncharted? No, but it could be done, especially if they got pay drivers. I don't know. Yeah, or we'll have to see. There, 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 there's been very little movement on this topic, and no, and and no one acknowledged it this this week. With yeah, that uh, was kind of disappointing. I mean, I feel it, like that was a that was kind of a middle finger to BJ McLeod. Yeah, well, you know, BJ McLeod does a really good job of flying under the radar because he doesn't do anything stupid on track. So. Well, that's why people don't know yeah, any, yeah. literally anything about him and what he does behind the scenes because he lays so low. But let's yeah. also not forget that this guy, if you actually look at a picture of BJ McLeod and then look at him next to his wife, like this, this dude has to be one of the hands-down coolest people he has to have the greatest life. I think BJ McLeod lives the greatest life. He gets to drive race cars. He has a smoking hot wife. He gets to own race cars. And he dresses like he's a 16-year-old skater punk. And nobody questions it. Florida, man. It's a crazy state. It's wonderful. I mean, he, he literally looks like... If Al Bundy's life wasn't as bad as it was. Think about it. <laughs> except except Al Bundy is a 16-year-old skater punk. I w- I'll, I'll give you that. Uh, the survey says five on that one, so I'll <laughs> give you that. Seriously, guys, look up photos of BJ McLeod. Like, right now, if you're not driving while listening to this, look up photos of BJ McLeod. I recommend it. Uh, but anyway, the last thing that we're going to say goodbye to is uh, Legacy Motor Club and their affiliation with Chevrolet. So they moved to Toyota in 2024, but that's that's honestly probably a good thing because then that means more Toyotas are in Cup Series, more balanced uh, manufacturing numbers. I'm always pleased to see that. Um, something I wish that uh, the truck series would change. But anyway, uh, let's move on to the featured paint scheme because uh, in honor of the three NASCAR champions that we crowned this weekend, uh, we're going to discuss our favorite paint scheme that they ran this year during their respective championship seasons. So, Josh, why don't you go ahead and go first and lead us off with uh, who you picked, who your driver was that you picked to represent, and what paint scheme you liked that they ran this year. Uh, I like your choice, by the way. I, I came close to picking that one. 
But I ultimately went with Ryan Blaney's uh, Darlington throwback scheme. It paid tribute to his dad uh, in one of his sprint cars. And honestly, the this car looks like it should be a regular paint scheme in the Cup Series. It just it just fits really well. It translated really well from a sprint car to a Cup car, in my opinion. And I don't think that could be said about every non-NASCAR paint scheme that has ever been translated um, to a to a to a Cup car in the throwback uh, stages. So uh, I, I like the way the twelve popped on the sides. It felt very. It just. It just. It was just really nice. It looked like a great car. The, the the kind of the Z zigzag line on uh on the top half of the car and uh, yellow on the bottom. The blue on top. I mean, it just it, it Menards, dude. Go with this scheme. Go with this scheme full time in twenty four, please. Uh, I, even just on even if you even just you just do it on Blaney's car. Just just Blaney's car. It'd be great. Uh, I really liked it. Uh, uh, Honoré mentioned, by the way, is uh, Bl- uh, Blaney's body armor car from the Coca-Cola 600. Uh, that car, uh, I had, you know, obviously had the pleasure of seeing that up close. Uh, that car is, yeah, it was a beautiful car, beautiful car. So, Rob, uh, tell us about the one that I you picked and that I also like. As uh, I gotta say, I love a uh, Stone Cold Custer here. Because uh, his uh, Darlington throwback to Jason Leffler was just a uh, chef's kiss. This is mwah. oh god, great! It was absolutely perfect. And, and in all honesty, I I loved it because every time I see that Jason Leffler paint scheme, right? I there's so I distinct very distinctly remember uh, that 2004 Daytona July race where. Leffler on the last lap went insane and just decided to block everybody after wrecking Michael Waltrip out of the lead, which, quite honestly, made it sound like Daryl Waltrip was about to kill himself. Like, he seemed so sad when that happened. Like, I thought he was going to cry. Like, when I was watching this, I need people people to understand that uh, when I was watching that, I was eight years old. I was eight years old watching this, and I'm listening to Daryl Waltrip thinking he's about to cry. Uh, and then old Dan Leffler, he puts Junior in the wall. <laughs> like, that's a good idea. And uh, then L- Daryl Waltrip starts laughing about that as if it gets him. He's like, oh, man, he's just a, he didn't target Mikey. He's just a dart without feathers or something, right? Uh, and then all that. All that blocking, all that dirt, all those dirty moves Leffler made in complete and total desperation, which in all honesty, I get you're at an opportunity to win at Daytona. I understand. And if you've had at the time the career that Jason Leffler had while trying to make it in NASCAR, you would have done anything for a dub. So um, totally get it now back in the day. But the irony of Mike Wallace just this... At the time, small, underfunded car that typically ran mid-pack every single race just comes flying by on the bottom in turn four and steals this win away. Just, like, super memorable, right? It's one of the mo- my more memorable memories of NASCAR. And to- so whenever so when I saw this car, I was just like, dude, thank you. I love this. This is great. Now, the only criticism I have about it is uh, the fact that uh, there is no Net Zero logo on the car. Now, I understand why that is, 
because Net Zero probably doesn't have many customers anymore. But for what it's worth, Net Zero is still around. And yep. to my knowledge, is still selling dial up internet. In the year of our Lord 2023. That is a real thing that's happening, and on all honesty, I think it would have been great and a better you know, cherry on the top had they included a Net Zero logo, or at the very least alluded to one. But I digress. I still will take what I could get, and I wish that they would just run this scheme full-time. <laughs> oh, oh, yes. I, I would second. I, 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 would, I, would, I would like to see this scheme, but put, put the modern double zero on it. Uh, I would, I would, I would go all for that, one hundred percent. Wouldn't even. I, I actually say no to that. I don't like the modern double zero. I prefer the throwback. I, I don't want. I don't want the, a complete carbon copy to be running full time like that. No. It already happens in, with Kyle Larson, dude. I, I, just another reason not to want to have another carbon copy. Well, I've expressed my opinions about that earlier. Right, right. I forgot you. Did, you and I disagree on that one. All right. Well, uh, to, to, because we disagree on stuff so much and so well, we decided it'd be a great idea if we put that idea in the show. I'm kidding. Obviously, we typically agree on a lot of this stuff, but you don't didn't, didn't hear that if you're a new listener. This is time for our upshift to downshift question segment of the show. Uh, it's the the time where Josh and I are presented with a series of hypothetical questions and or statements, and in those times, we will either upshift if, if we agree or downshift if we disagree. And it's a little fun little word shift play because it's a racing podcast, and it's cool. I love it, though. I, I would never change it. I love this. <laughs> um, anyway, before I sound like I'm, I, I hate my life, which I don't, uh, I'm going to go ahead and jump right on in to the first question. Because uh, it's pretty big. It's pretty big, and we're gonna we're 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 probably gonna have some thoughts on this. But uh, the question is, or the statement is, excuse me, Carson Hosevar's collision with Corey Heim was intentional. Do you upshift or downshift, Josh? Yeah, we have a lot of questions today. I'm gonna try to keep this a little bit concise. I I went back and watched this. Uh, I was asleep because I had to get up at three o'clock in the morning on Saturday morning to drive to Virginia. So I was asleep when all this was going down. But I went back and watched it. You know, here's what I will say. And then I'll shift. Okay. If Carson Hosevar didn't have a past, I think you chalk this up to as an accident. Um, I don't think it was intentional. I think it was a major misjudgment on Hosevar's part. Uh, I think he knew at that point in the race that it was kind of between him and Heim. And I think we've seen historically in the truck series, kind of whoever gets out in front is kind of who's in control of that championship for, uh, particularly at Phoenix. And I, I downshift, but I understand where other people could say he did it intentionally. You know, he's had, he obviously has a past. It looked like for so many months he'd let that go, and then he's had a couple issues in the last handful of weeks that has like, okay, bud, what's going on? Can't be doing this stuff anymore. I'm going to downshift. I don't think he, I don't think it was intentional. 
I think it was just an unfortunate major misjudgment on Hosevar's part. I uh, am going to honestly have to uh, um, downshift that. I don't, I don't think that it was intentional either. Um, and I didn't think that when it happened. I really... Because when I... Look, when I watch... When I watched it, when I was watching that, I was like, this is a move... Like, I knew exactly what Josevar was trying to do. Like, I, I, I understood what he was trying to do behind the wheel there, and, and he was trying to get underneath the 11 and hope that the 11 washed up the racetrack because of the 52, and it just so happened that the way their cars were, time came down, I think, a little bit further than Hosevar was expecting, and Hosevar's car, as low as it was, started to lose grip, started to slide up, and I, I kind of just knew it was going to happen. Like, I, I tweeted that I knew it was going to happen after it happened, and, and quite literally, it, that's how I felt. Uh, I was, at the whole, maybe about five, six, second, seven seconds before Hosevar actually gets into him, I'm sitting here thinking, like, they're gonna, they're about to hit, like, they're driving like they're about to hit, you know. Yeah, so, were. I I put I don't put it on Hosevar, but I will say with Hosevar's reaction to it, I get it, uh, because the way he was talking, at at least from what was posted on Twitter from his scanner audio, and the way he was reacting, that that's how I react when I screw up, like straight up. Straight up, like I beat the beat myself up. I I'm pissed. I I like I yell at myself. I I try and like you know I try and scold myself, and I I quite literally I just lose all interest in what I'm doing. And I'm like I don't want to do this. I just want to quit. I just want to go home and not do this, right? Like and be honest with you, it happened. It happened at work this week for me. I'll be I'll be really candid here. I screwed something up at work. My phone is not giving me push notifications right now, and I don't know why. I'm trying to fix it, and it's I, I can't figure out how to get it fixed, and it's really bugging me. And as a result, my job I need to know what the competition is doing all the time, and I don't know that now. So I didn't react fast enough to a breaking news situation, and I'm kicking myself still about it. And I was really mad about it, and I reacted the exact same way Carson Osovar did. It's not like I intended to to not do that. It's not like I intended to just, you know, not get on a breaking news story. It just happened. It was out of my control. You know, it it circumstances led to this happening. So I I don't think it was intentional and I believe him. I believe him despite the fact that I know that he's been a hothead and kind of a dart without feathers before this. I can understand also that people change, people mature, and Josefar doing a bunch of cup races where he's following behind other drivers, absorbing, passively learning, not really under any pressure, just kind of out there trying to have a good, solid run, bring the car home in one piece. You know, that that was good for him. I think it was good for him, and it's why he was in the position that he was in, which was to win a championship. But I also think that he didn't want to wreck Heim. He wanted to just race him hard and race him clean. Now, you know, we'll talk about Heim's retaliation later, but yeah, that's my feeling about it. So anyway, um, 
Let's go ahead and move on into the next piece of news. Uh, NASCAR needs to develop a driver license points system that determines when a driver can advance to the next series and issue automatic penalties for unsportsmanlike driving. Do upshift or downshift this, Josh? It's going to be a popular I upshift. Um, it's in my opinion, uh, you know, for example, Jesse Love should not be in the Xfinity Series next year. Um, he hasn't done anything wrong, but to me, you got to graduate to these places. Um, this will never happen. It will never happen because there's too much money involved, and people can write checks and buy rides. But um, you know, I, I think I, I've, I've, there's certainly some criticisms I have of the Formula One and FIA point system, like how crappy they treat IndyCar. That's a different subject to developing a system that says, like, okay, congratulations. You can now move out of ARCA to truck. Awesome. Good for you. Awesome. You you can now move out of truck to Xfinity. Oh, by the way, you have been suspended automatically for one race from an Xfinity Series race. If you do it again, we're bumping you down to truck, and you're not going to be racing Xfinity. It's gotten to the point, and this is really because of the truck series, because there's too many people there who do not drive with respect, who do not drive with their heads. And you can't just have a point system for like, all right, you're the truck, congratulations, you know, drive smart. You got to have it all the way through. Um, I, um, you know, and obviously you can have, you know, the situation where you like have a Matt Crafton where, you know, you've been in trucks for 20 years. Yeah, you can race anywhere you want. You know, you don't have to spend time in Xfinity. You can race anywhere you want. Um, yeah, this is, this is, this, I don't know how you, they would even do this if they want to, but it's, in my opinion, we have too many jokers out there, and we need to find a way to con contain the jokers and make them learn how to drive a bloody machine. So, that's, that's my thoughts. Rob, what are yours? <laughs> well, Josh, I, I can't say that there is, uh, as strong as yours. My opinion, my deal with Jesse Love, as you mentioned, I personally don't care if he's going to Xfinity or not. I really don't. I think the truck series is pointless anyway. I was just using him as an, as an example. I know I'm trying to pick on him. I, I, I get that, but like, in terms of like saying, oh, you have to, you can, you can only graduate from one series to another. It's like, if sometimes guys are just, don't need the trucks. Did Ty Gibbs ever need to get in the trucks? No. No, he had no reason. It would have been a waste of his time. It's been a complete waste of his time. Now he's in Cup. Now he's having. He actually he, he had a solid rookie season. I'm 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 if I'm being honest. He did. He did have a good rookie season. He's really. I mean, did he blow the lid off of anybody? No. But I didn't really expect that after mm -mm. the way he was driving for Kurt Busch last year. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. I. But the fact of the matter was he was bringing things home in one piece, and he wasn't pissing anybody off. So I looked at that and I said, "Wow, Ty Gibbs is really really matured." You know, Ty Gibbs has matured even more as a race car driver, which we already knew he was mature beyond his years when he got behind the wheel, but he had to mature himself personally before it caught up with his, his driving skill, and now look at him. You know, the dude won at, at IMS in the Xfinity Series. Are people forgetting that this year? Like, let's not forget that that happened. Anyway, um, but... I think what what really does need to be done, what NASCAR needs to do, is um, number one, 
I don't think they need to limit drivers from advancing, but I do need, think that there needs to be a strike system. Mm. Or there needs to be not even a warning system, or just like a, you know, hey, if you wreck someone intentionally like that, you know, you're done, you're out. You know, mm. it's two race minimum suspension. Mm. You know, like that, that it, it is what it is. Like, be, especially, but, but my, my caveat to that is it should only be in the uh, lower series. Because mm. I feel like by the time you get into truck series, to the cup series, excuse me, you've learned, hopefully by then, not to settle things with your race car. And if you're doing it anyway, you probably have a damn good reason to and are not just a, a hot-headed kid that's angry. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. So that's my personal opinion. Because the truck race, the, the quality of the truck race on Sunday was... Truck race or truck race? The truck race, sorry. Truck race on Friday. Truck race on Friday. It was abysmal, Josh. It was abysmal. It was the worst race I've seen out of the truck series in recent memory. It might have been the worst race, most embarrassing race I've seen. I think it was the worst one since Knoxville 2021. It it was all around horrible. The coverage was bad. Everything, the racing was bad. The the champion was bad. Like, okay, no, Ben Rhodes. Okay, here, it's... Uh, the fact of the matter was Corey Heim or Carson Ozevar probably should have won that title. And because, in my opinion, and I think in the opinion of basically everybody else, they were the two best drivers all season. Now, Grant Enfinger was very, very, very close third. He was consistent. 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 But he was, all three were better than Ben Rhodes. Hands down. And this is not to say that Ben Rhodes is not a, a worthy champion. Uh, I think he is. I mean, the fact of the matter is he survived. I mean, that's what it came down to at the end. It was it was just a survival, a game of survival at the end. It was. The fact that Grant Enfinger survived is a miracle in and of itself. And And there was a period there where I didn't think he would. NASCAR needs to seriously look at what happened in the truck series and say, is this what we want to do? Is this what we want to showcase about the future of our sport? Because let me tell you something. If you go to a, uh, a a minor league baseball game and you see people doing dirty things like throwing pitches at people and, you know, eating and whatever and yelling at refs and, and throw, you know, throwing stuff, people are going to get turned off from that. Yep. And they're going to be like, wow, this new generation, I can't watch this anymore. I can't watch this anymore. That's what's going to happen. You can't do that. You can't say this is our future and be so proud of it and then allow them to act like spoiled brats. I mean, look at what's happening in the Cars Tour right now. Look at what's happening in late model racing period across the country right now. You have rich, spoiled kids with no respect for anybody out there just destroying race cars Against people who actually probably do a nine to five job and race on the frickin' weekends. That, that, yeah. Just yep. destroying their cars. Like this is what if this is this is not what I want to see in the future of NASCAR. And NASCAR needs to step in. And basically, first number one, number one, Corey Heim needs to be parked for the first two races for next year. They won't do it. They won't do it, but it needs to happen. He needs to be parked. All right. 
The fact of the matter was, he directly affected the outcome of that championship by his actions. He had him and Carson Hosevar wrecked when they were both in the top 15. I mean, so so you're saying absolutely you, you think if, if, if Denny Hamlin affected the outcome of race by running Ross Chastain up in the same corner, by the way, of the same track, I don't know what, Denny got fined, I think, $25,000 or 25 points. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I don't like what happened. I, I feel very strongly that Corey Heim directly affected the outcome of the title. He did. Because, because what, when he wrecked him, Rhodes and Enfinger were 1-2, and they were just going to race it out. They were going to race it out for the championship. That was how it should have ended. It should have ended between those two because they were still in the race. They were running 1-2. Why? And then all of a sudden there's a caution. And then all hell breaks loose. We got like four freaking overtimes. It's ridiculous. That's unnecessary out of it. If they if literally, if he had just let Hosevar just not do anything. If if Heim just decided, you know what? I'm just going to go over to Hosevar and I'm going to sh- beat the living you-know-what out of him down on pit road. Maybe we'll really make this night fun. You know, he should have done that. But instead, he wrecked him and, out- and decided the outcome of the title. Yeah. Because if he didn't wreck him, Grant Enfinger is the champion. But because he does wreck him... And Fingered isn't in, isn't the winner. And again, this is not to say Ben Rhodes is not a worthy champion. I do not want people to sit here and think that I think that Ben Rhodes is an unworthy champion. I think he's perfectly fine as a champion. I think he's already a champion, so him getting a second one perfectly valid. Uh, he played the right game. You know, don't hate the player, hate the game. That's and we'll talk about that here in a little bit. Yep. yep. So no issues there. But I am very frustrated with the way that he won it. He, if, if Ben Rhodes and Grant Enfinger raced towards the fin- at the finish and Rhodes passed Enfinger on the last lap, that's a better story. That's a better thing. That's way better for everybody. Everybody is happier involved. Now, if Rhodes doesn't pass him, cool. GMS Racing goes out on top. Grant Enfinger wins the title after, you know, years of waiting and not really having a future next year or nobody knows what his future is next year at this point. But instead, we got that. We got the mess that we got because guys don't know how to behave and don't understand what's going on. And I mean, I really tried to like Corey Heim, and like because clearly he had talent, clearly he he had speed, clearly he he was a good driver. But then he goes and does that, and it shows me his his lack of awareness and and lack of respect for the the equipment that he has. Anyway. That's my end of that. I'm going to move on. I'm going to move on. The restart zone. This was the other thing. This was, by the way, the truck series was such a disaster that this happened. The restart zone was painted in the wrong location prior to the start of the race weekend. It wasn't corrected until after the NASCAR truck series race because the truck series teams didn't really care. They, they didn't say anything about it. But then after the race, teams were kind of like, hmm, that's probably why... This the, the, it was it was all carnage on those last overtime restarts. Uh, but do you upshift or downshift that it it wasn't corrected, Josh? I'm going to keep this very short. Um, inexcusable 
how the heck does this happen? Checks and balances. Uh, uh, downshift. This is a... You cannot screw up like this in your championship weekend. It's inexcusable. Absolutely inexcusable. Uh, yeah, I'll agree with that. I mean, definitely it did cause... it. I mean, we, we kind of saw it. It did cause some problems. Um, it, guys were carrying way too much speed into the dogleg while all being around each other. And Bruin, it's worth just paving that dogleg. Like, why? Why is the race at feet... Why... This is off topic, and I apologize, Josh. I know you want to move on. I'm so sorry, but I just need to say this. I might agree with you what you're saying. I wonder what you're saying. What the hell is that? They just pave all of Phoenix. I did this. I I shared a a video on Instagram, um, and it was a, a of the 1995 truck race, and I'm like, I yeah. missed old Phoenix with grass with the original dog leg layout and the turn three and four bridge what i don't even care i understand you okay we don't want to spend water on grass astroturf baby yeah dude astroturf it like you like know the whole thing that i'm really mad about is they have that whole ugly ugly looking black paved area that separates the racetrack from the uh pit wall yep in it right where the new front stretch it, it where whatever the new start finish line is like put grass there put the astroturf there i mean if you're not going to put it anywhere else on the racetrack put it there because, at least you need to paint it green yes it just it's so ugly yeah. it, 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 the like, track I, is I not phoenix sorry go ahead sorry phoenix used to be very picturesque and it's one of my first uh, very uh, aesthetically pleasing uh two of my favorite words um and and now it's just it's just it's just not fun it's just not good looking the, the thing is i look at phoenix raceway and i feel like oh wow if i was ever in that area that seems like it would be a really fun place to go because it looks like they have a lot of great fan amenities right yeah but then i'm like but it's so ugly to look at mm-hmm Mm-hmm. It's like, I, I, it's like a dive bar. <laughs> I, no, maybe not, but like, okay, the, these things are nice, but it's ugly. It, there's no, I feel like that, uh, the SpongeBob, uh, the episode where, um, Pretty Patties, where the, the guy, the guy comes to the Krusty Krab and he's like, food, water, atmosphere, like, give me better atmosphere, Phoenix. Like, come on. Anyway. But yeah, no, I I downshift this. This was this this was a terrible mistake by Phoenix uh, to to mispaint that, uh, and then for NASCAR to not say anything or not even notice it really. Gosh, yes. Seemingly. Checks and balances. Yeah, Checks like that's unacceptable. What a joke. What a yeah. joke. Yeah. Uh, moving on, moving along. NASCAR will test an electric car in December at Martinsville Speedway with a public debut, possibly as early as January 2024. Do you upshift or downshift that electric and battery-powered NASCAR cars are close to entering competition? What is your take on this, Josh? I am curious. Uh, I think they're closer than NASCAR's letting on, so I upshift. Uh, again, I I am I'm very uh passionate about nascar needs to reinvent the xfinity series and truck series uh not necessarily most of the truck series but the xfinity series in particular 
They need to re there. We're seeing where both series are kind of like, what what's their place, right? What is their place in the NASCAR hierarchy? Uh, and I've, I've mentioned this before. I think the Xfinity series needs to have like a five-year plan. Like, hey, in five years, this is becoming an electric SUV series. And you can either stay on board or the, you know, teams can go to cup. They can go to truck and race there. I know that sounds crazy. I, I think they, I think it needs to become its own formula. NASCAR's Formula E, right? Formula E isn't a feeder system, series into F1, but it's in between F2 and F1 kind of deal. It's a uh, world it, championship. It's a legit it's a world. That's world what I mean. It, it's a world championship, but it still, still isn't a, a world championship. It's a feeder series. Say what? F two isn't a world championship. It's a feeder series. They're different. I'm it, saying it, that's it, only really is an actual designated world championship. I understand that, but it's still not recognized as the top of the formula. It's still below, but kind of to the right of what you know Formula One is. Formula One is going to be the pinnacle. Right. Formula E is is a world championship, but it's still below. It's okay. Okay, I see what you're saying. It's yeah. a step so, down from F1. Okay, I yeah, apologize. So, I misunderstood what you were saying. So I think it's. I think this is. I don't know what their intentions are. I honestly have no idea what what the the two Steves are thinking over at NASCAR along with everyone else. Um, you know, but that's what I would be thinking about. That's what. That's kind of what I would be pitching. Like, okay. And, and and on that and on that front too, I, I've gone on this before, and then because uh, I, I I upshift, I think they're going to be. I think it's coming sooner than we think. I don't think it'll be a full season, but I could easily see this be like a companion series at certain events, maybe a winter series kind of deal. Um, uh, I would say NASCAR. We're going to build. We're going to build the battery platform. Anyone is open to come here and build a car. You just got to meet these aero specs. That's all you got to do. So you could have someone like Honda, Mercedes, BMW, I don't know, Kia, anybody who wants to build a car or build an SUV that meets these aero, aero uh, specifications, uh, downforce regs, and, and weight, all that. You, you The battery platform's there. It's the same for everybody. The cars are just different. I think that's a great way to get other manufacturers involved in NASCAR even if they don't want to commit to the like, internal combustion engine right away, eventually the world's going to say, guess what? We were wrong about battery cars. They're not the future. Not right now. Industrial, uh, uh, internal combustion engines are going to be around for 200 more years. So eventually people are going to wake up to that. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, 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 I'm excited to see what this car actually looks like, what they've come up with, and what, it, what it's doing. I don't want to see electric and cup. I'm okay with a hybrid kind of deal. I think that will definitely be some sort of compensation. I don't like the idea fully, but I'm all about compromise to try to save what it is. I mean, you've got hybrid going to IndyCar, so it's probably going to come to NASCAR too eventually. Rob, I don't know what your thoughts are. So I, I don't think that um, cup cars are... NASCAR in general is quite ready for electric racing. Let's remember that Formula E, despite being a, for all intents and purposes, a spec series, uh, except for powertrains, which are developed by each team or manufacturer, um, and though it's still incredibly expensive. Mm -hmm. It's still outrageously expensive. 
and recall recall that they originally had to switch cars entirely. So mm-hmm. it's not like these the fact of the matter is these races if they happened at all would have to be at the moment very short, probably no more than 20 laps, probably around a short track. Mhm. All right. Which is fine. Which is fine. But the question is how do you get teams to sign up for that? Because short track racing inherently, there's a lot of damage. Drivers beat and bang each other a lot in, mm-hmm. in, in short track racing. So you look at that. That's an added cost, especially when you're looking at what probably could be more expensive race cars. Maybe the, the body and the shell itself like is probably a composite body, right? Like No more like no different than the Xfinity car, right? But it's same. But the it's it's the internals, you know. If something goes wrong on those internals, that's a lot of money to pay pay to fix. Mm-hmm. So, where where does the where 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 does the uh, the price and the, and the cost level balance out, you know? And 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 the other thing is, can you get teams to commit to that? Could you get a solid, respectable field size? You know, we're not net, maybe we're not asking for forty three cars, but you know, can we, can we get 20, you know, is, is, is 20 a possibility, you know, and if it is, then okay, you know, the fact of the matter is, I'm, again, and I've said this many times, I'm not opposed to electric cars, I'm not opposed to any of that, I'm all for the advancement of technology, uh, and all for the advancement of, of technology in auto race, I think that's what makes, racing fun is the technology advancements because if you look at where racing was 100 years ago to comparatively to where it is now mm. hell even look where racing was 30 years ago compared to what it is now yeah it's a lot safer and it's still just as fast and now we have formula one cars that have hybrid think about a formula one car from the 90s or late 90s even back then that was the pinnacle right nowadays that would be a joke the modern f1 cars they got the high especially with the hybrid engines the the they're they're storing power in these cars under braking. Like even Formula E cars. How do you think Formula E cars are able to go the full distance? It's because they let the cars under braking regenerate power that is then put back into the battery that then powers the engine. But and that's awesome and cool and amazing, but it's expensive as hell. Okay? And IndyCar is learning that now, too, with these hybrid engines. That, okay, number one, it's going to be a lot heavier. The cars are going to be a lot heavier now, which, in NASCAR's case, could be a good thing. But at the same time, you also have to deal with the the speed drop, which, if we're racing on short tracks, doesn't matter. Uh, but then, also, you have to worry about the increased costs, because these IndyCar engines are going to be a lot more expensive. These hybrid engines, they are. Look at how... Spending in Formula One has skyrocketed in the hybrid era. Caterham resorted to crowdfunding to survive because they were so cash-strapped from the hybrid era. Like, that's something we need to be aware of. So, I do believe that this is quite a while away. But, I do like the idea of us seeing maybe a prototype little electric car. I think it can be done cool. It can be done done well. I think that, you know, look at, again, look at the, the, the little McMurty little bullet thing that Max Chilton runs at Goodwood. Mm-hmm. Electric cars can be cool, guys. It's just, 
we got to wait until the technology gets there, okay? Like, roadsters were cool in the Indy 500, but let's be honest, once the cars got faster and the ground effects came in and the rear wings came in and the front wings came in, cars look cooler. Cars look better, okay? And they were using new, different, fangled technology. It was getting away from kind of the roots, but they were cooler. Okay? So that's kind of the point I'm trying to make. Is, is I think NASCAR is telling the truth when they say that. I really do think that it's probably going to be a long... Probably, I would guess, between 10 to 15 years before it's even feasibly possible. Because that's when I think you'll probably start to see the technology price tag go down uh and also the technology technological advancements with hybrid engines and with electric cars because it's because you know think about how the uk has to adapt they're gonna have to adapt right california is gonna have to adapt right so i mean these companies are gonna have to learn how to build cars that are like this and what do they do when they're testing them they go race they race them they test them by running them on the racetrack so I, let's not look electric racing is a bad thing but also let's not think that it's at least from nascar's perspective it's going to be able to be here in the next couple of years so that's all my point on that i'll move on here and the next one unless josh has a rebuttal uh and yes this is there's gonna be a lot of this there's a lot of nascar questions guys there's a lot of nascar questions so bear with us here bear with us uh, NASCAR's Steve O'Donnell is traveling to Japan next week to study hydrogen racing. Do you upshift or downshift this, Josh? Now, this is kind of interesting because it's very similar to what we were just talking about. But what's your take on this? Uh, I, um, I think this is one thing we're, we're, we're seeing even in the streetcar side that people are thinking is, is hydrogen and uh, as a substitute for gasoline uh, in, in vehicles. I don't know. I, I this is the first I've heard of it kind of deal. I I, I guess I kind of neutral on it. I don't know what the goal is. I don't know if this is more of a learning deal. If this is an actual like, hey, let's look at something that they've developed over there instead of in for a race car, or is this more of like an educational seminar deal? You know, we uh, didn't really go into details on it, but uh, kind of neutral. Uh, we'll set. I'll have to see where this one goes myself. Well, you know, I I think I'm always in. Like I, like I just said in my point, like I'm always for new technology in racing. Like whatever makes these cars go faster, whatever makes them more efficient, whatever makes them more, um, you know, sustainable, I'm all for it. You know, I'm, I, lo I love I, – I don't want my favorite sport, you know, I don't want to be like in my 80s and have my favorite sport be literally on its deathbed alongside me. You know what I mean? So I, I need it to adapt. Uh, and I, so I don't mind it adapting. And in, in this case, you know, this could be just an experiment, but, but let's be honest. I mean, there are hydrogen powered cars. There are hydrogen powered race cars. They've raced at Le Mans. They've done Le Mans races. You know, it's, it's not like it's a bad fuel, uh, fuel source. I mean, if we could get it to work, if we could get it to power our cars, great. Um, and you know, wh why not? Why not learn a little bit about it? Like you said, we don't really know much about it. Uh, if this is just... You know, Steve O'Donnell wanting to, uh, you know, learn something new and and not necessarily implement anything now, but maybe for later. Yeah, why not? I, I don't have a problem with that. So I, I'll upshift that, move on here into the next question. 
Uh, again, a lot of NASCAR stuff, and the reason for the NASCAR stuff, guys, I don't know if you know this, but if you if you're listening, because we didn't really mention it in the news, and I apologize for that, but um, this NASCAR state of the sport was this weekend, where uh, Steve O'Donnell and uh, Steve Phelps basically gave uh, answered questions and and gave uh, uh, explanations for where they thought the sport was going. So there's a lot of NASCAR related questions here because of of that. So again, the next question here is: Do you upshift or downshift? Uh, excuse me, the next charter agreement with NASCAR Cup Series teams will be an agreement that makes the charter system permanent. Do you upshift or downshift this, Josh? Uh, I downshift. I think there's a few people who are in the NASCAR executive levels right now that are going to fight that. I do believe there will be a charter agreement in place because I think if not, teams are going to walk. I don't, I mean, that may, wow. may not be that actually walk, walk, but like, the fast motorsports sold their charter for $40 million. What do you think that values the Hendrick motorsports charters that have far more success over the last three years? I mean, look, I, I think, I think that I'm, this is a rough estimate and I could be undervaluing, valuing. I could be overvaluing. The problem is you really don't know because there hasn't been a, a lot of, there hasn't been any big sales. I think that values Hendrick motorsports about $500 million. If if Rick wanted to sell today, five hundred million dollars for for Hendrick Motorsports. That's four charters, four guaranteed spots, a great campus, all that equipment, personnel, and and and, and just value in equipment in in transportation. Five hundred million without the charters, it's maybe one hundred million. So that's what that's what that this gives teams. It gives value. They're going to fight for it. And I, 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 I mean, I know we've all had our various opinions on on charters. I know you, you were steadfast against it. I can't remember where you're at now, but the charter system is at bringing value to the teams. Is there flaws in it? Absolutely, there is flaws in it. And and I would, and if I could correct it, I would, I, I would, I would snap my fingers and do it. But the the, the fact of the matter is, the charter is giving value to the teams. And it has a, it gives an avenue for teams to get away, to one day get away from the reliance on solely sponsorship funding. There are people in NASCAR who are fighting that because they don't like that power. They don't like the power that gives teams. But let's not forget if they walked out tomorrow. I'm sorry, BJ McLeod Motorsports, DGM, they aren't going to sell tickets to the Daytona 500. They aren't. They sure as heck ain't going to sell tickets to your average normal race. So NASCAR needs teams just as much as the teams need NASCAR, but there's other ways around for the teams. It's it's not an easy route, but there's other routes away for, for them. And this, and the charter system gives them the is is the is, is sort of their bargaining chip, and it's a big bargaining chip, and they ain't letting it go. It will one day, I believe, it one day will be a permanent fixture. But there are a few people within the NASCAR executives uh, levels that, one way or another, will not be around. Probably when the next agreement comes around, and then it will be. 
probably will become permanent at that point in time. That so I downshift that this time around it will be permanent. Okay. Well, I uh I don't know if I'm as strong feeling about that, but uh I think personally um I think that the charter agreement in it in itself is probably heading to be reworked. Um, and I think a lot of that stems from the next TV deal. Um, but I, I, I think ultimately they're going to have some kind of agreement. It, the teams seem to want this, but a lot of the new teams also recognize the incredible barrier it's caused. Like, I mean... With 2311, like, think about how much money they really had to have to get that thing up off the ground as quickly as they did. Get a charter, get, you know, get the shop, get the car, and then it was probably easier, it was probably cheaper with Gen 6, but now with the Gen 7, I mean, think about what Denny Hamlin said. About well, how Gen 7, and the, the next-gen car has, has been more costly than NASCAR built it to be, so that's a whole separate issue. Well, I know that, but, like, yeah. it's, it's, it's... It's a huge reason why you don't see, like, teams that want to get into NASCAR can't. That's because... and that's and that's where, not to interrupt you, but that's my point. Where, like I said, there's are flaws. I think the way it pays out money or the amount of money it does needs to change. Where, yeah. if I show up to a race and I have put together a car. I should be able to earn a good chunk of money, not like, okay, here's a cup of coffee. Congratulations for finishing 15th. I don't think that's the way it should be. I think they, I, I don't have a problem with the charter. I just think that it should be, a, you should still be able to compete if you don't have one and not, not just be like, oh, I can show up and race because I don't, there's no one getting kicked off qualifying, like legitimately show up and compete. Whereas a charter just gives you the guarantee option that the few times a year we're going to have 40 plus cars, you're guaranteed in the show. That's the only thing. That's that. That's that's my thing with it. That's my big flaw that it yeah. has, and I think most team owners would agree that that is a flaw. They just want to admit it out loud publicly. That is true. Um, I think I think you are you're very right about that, and it it is something that is it's very complicated. Uh, and and I think that the way that the way that it was drawn up originally was flawed when it happened, and then when it was approved, one hundred percent. But, you know, hopefully they're able to rework it because I, I really feel like it's it's hurt the sport a lot. I think it's hurt the growth of the sport. I mean, I think there's more money in it now for the teams, which is great, but there's such a high barrier to entry. And I think the thing that made and and still makes racing fun and i mean think about think about what makes racing fun is is those underdog stories those those what people liked about nascar at least that in my opinion uh was how these normal average guys could put together enough money with you know a couple of local partners not big partners like it wasn't you used to not need pitbull and michael jordan to start a team yeah. You used to be able to, to start a team with uh, a local car dealer. Mm -hmm. That used to be a, th a thing. And then build that team into the powerhouse that it becomes. And that's just not possible now. 
And I think that's what's really hurt a lot of the charm from NASCAR. I think the charter system itself should be reworked so that it guarantees payout and not so much as, oh, you have to pay. Like, I think it should be more of NASCAR controls the charters. And getting one means that, okay, depend, you know, you, you're entitled to this much money based on the new TV deal. That's, mm. I think, how it should be. So that then the people that don't have a charter are not, they don't have that huge barrier to entry right off the bat because NASCAR can then say, oh, okay, well, how much money are you willing to give us for this charter to prove that you want to be in NASCAR? And they set the market price instead of the teams because I understand that the teams do it so that they have a way to get out of the sport if they need to. They can just sell their charter and make bank. But again, as I've always said, that's not how businesses work. You can't – in the real world, I mean – uh, unless you get bailed out, but it, for most businesses, you can't just say you can, you don't have a safety net where you can run your business so poorly, or just decide you want to quit your business, and then just collect your money and leave, and leave everybody else in the dust, and say hey goodbye later. And that's what the the teams are doing now. Like if a team goes under, they can just sell their charter and cut their losses and and leave. And it's like that's will- not. But I will also say, Rob, to that, why did your team fail? Were you running below? Are you gonna get? Are you going to get your money back from selling that? You'll get some. They will, but especially you know, now. I, I mean, but, uh, but look at how much BJ McLeod made. You're right, and I think, but I think you're also going to get to a point where, like, after you've spent so much, you're like, okay, you, Hendrick Motorsports, they sold Hendrick Motorsports today. Five, let's say it's five hundred million dollars. Four hundred million of that is is, oh, is more than that. Uh, okay. uh, huh? I think it'd be more than that. Okay, well, I'm just saying, like, okay, I don't think Rick gets his total investment back. Rick and Jeff do not get their total investment back when they sell the team. There's no, no. way. They'll get, yes, they are. They Rick, do do not let anyone tell you that they are not pumping money in that team. Rick Hendrick is pumping yeah. money into that team. And so but I'm he's saying, I'm talking money. more about how Rob Kaufman, because it was his idea, and how he drew it up. His entire thing was he drew it up because he knew MWR was failing and he didn't want to lose his investment. So he drew this this thing up, he got it approved, and then was able to buy in to uh, Chip Ganassi Racing and w- using that charter, right? And then when Chip Ganassi sold to out to Trackhouse, he also made bank because of those charter sales were, that were included in it. And that's what I have a problem with. Because it's like, buddy, you just gamed the system and took advantage of it. That's not that's not how racing is supposed to work. It's it's a bad faith. You allow bad faith people to do that. And I don't. I, I personally, I just don't like it. You're looking at me like I'm not making a point. I, I mean, it's it's a whole other conversation. I agree with some points what you're saying. I don't. I I, I just think they they try to make it more like one thing that racing. And, and, and you you try to fix it, and you you create other problems. They tried to make racing NASCAR more attractive to a more of a sports franchise kind of deal, whereas these guys, you know, you want to have it grow in value every. Jerry Jones bought the, the Dallas Cowboys for I don't even know how much money, but now it's the wealthiest team in the world. 
There is it is the high the highest valued sports team in the world. He sells out today, which he won't. He's making bank. All right, he's making bank. That's what they want to do with race teams. To say like you know, okay, if, if let's say, let's pretend. I'm trying to think. Figure someone out here. Like um, let's say Gibbs. I think Gibbs is unfortunately a very good example. You are looking at a team that, unfortunately, Gibbs, his two sons are no longer around, right? Mm -hmm. If that family decide we want to get, we want to get out, well, we're going to sell a team. No one here has has the has the desire to run the team uh, because it kind of skipped that generation of learning and education. They have a way out now. The to earn more money than saying. All right, we've got a couple million dollars worth of stuff and a property, you know. That's what this gives, I, and I know it's a whole other conversation. I don't want to get into it. We're already pushing time on here, but I think the 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 charter system in general, they're they're going to have to find a balance. But NASCAR's already given them so much, you can't ask them to take away, especially after teams like Spire and Colleg have spent millions of dollars. To make that charter worth something, you can't make a decision that all of a sudden turns that forty million dollar charter that Spire bought into something that was that's a fraction of that. And I understand it, it, either way, they're just buying basically a ticket to at the current state to make sure they're in the race. So that 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 uh, I, uh, that's fine. I mean, I don't. I, I I don't have any. I just kind of want to move on. <laughs> we, we we spent a lot of time talking to that, and I have to imagine a lot of people just kind of skipped through. So uh, let's move on to the next one. Do you upshift or downshift that NBC wasn't prepared to have a non-championship four driver win the cup race? Oh, I 100% upshift. They they were up Shit's Creek without a without a paddle. They didn't know what to do um, because it's never happened before. And in a way, I'm like, okay, I get it. You know, they. You know, I can understand, you know, they're, they didn't expect it, but you got to have plan B and NBC was not ready for that, um, at all. And, uh, I understand you had, they wanted to concentrate on Ryan. He won the championship, but the coverage of that, and I, 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 I fully admit I'm a Ross fan, but you missed a lot of stuff and it kind of goes to show Part of the flaw of a championship system like this, Worldwide Express got zilch out of all that. They won the they they got a lot of TV time because he's leading, but they got zilch out of that se- celebration. We missed the we missed the watermelon smash, yeah, and uh, track track house had to pick up the slack on that on on the ground. NBC and it was not prepared. I one hundred percent upshift that and. They are going to have to go back to the drawing board and make sure they're prepared next year if this happens again. I have to agree with that 100%. I upshift. They had no idea what to do. They did not know what to do. They were like, uh, we've never had this problem before. At least not since we've been covering NASCAR again the second time around. So what to do? What to do? So yeah, I, I upshift that, and it definitely showed in just how kind of unsure they were about how to react to Ross the Boss winning. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, next on, next question here. The uh, first Formula One question. Finally, a non-NASCAR question. 
the Las Vegas Grand Prix has caused so much disruption and destruction to the tourist-heavy city of Las Vegas. Do you upshift or downshift that the rumors of the Las Vegas Grand Prix will be a one-time event? Uh, do you, Josh, how do you feel about that? I, I mean, I, I, I downshift. There's too much money being spent, but I think Formula One is going to lose their butt on this contract. They, I was there a few weeks ago. Rob, Rob they, they have destroyed the strip. They're trees that they cut down. That I'm like, I'm like, there were trees here when I was here one year ago. This was a lot more beautiful than it was. But they cut down trees to build grandstands. Last time I checked, a, a tree, a living tree didn't just screw into the ground. I mean, this this Grand Prix is very unpopular with the locals. It's got to be unpopular with the, with the... Everyone there's... Most people there are going to make bank because they can upcharge everything. But the little businesses, they're losing money. This this Grand Prix is very unpopular. Very unpopular. I don't think it's going to be a one-time thing. I that would be the biggest shock if it was a one-time thing. They're they're spending all this money on this permanent location. There's no way it's not it's a one-time thing. But I guarantee you they're going to go they're going to they're already being forced to look at how do we do this different next year because I mean, for for I just want to say this, and, and on this part, for a sport that's trying to go zero carbon by twenty thirty, they cut down trees. I'll leave that there. Um, I hundred percent am. Uh, I am fully and a hundred percent, uh, believing that this is a one and done event. You cannot really? sit here and t- yes, you can. Hmm. First, first of all. Nobody can afford to go. They keep saying that, you know, tickets are flying off the shelves, but that's, there seems to be conflicting information on that. Uh, I really think that in a couple of weeks when we get there to Las Vegas, what's going to happen is you're going to not see a full crowd, and you're going to see most people be incredibly angry. Look, I mean, look, look I, I, I have to admit that this seems like it's a complete disaster for Las Vegas, like the city in oh, itself. It's it's it's. I only have to imagine that they're control. losing lots of money right now, and the thing is, here's the thing: the only thing it's got going for it right now is 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 the sphere, <laughs> right? Because that's it's so big, everybody can see it. You don't need to be on the strip to see the sphere, so everybody's obsessed with it. So nobody's mm-hmm. going to the sphere to the strip. Which is where people usually go in the tourism. So, the, I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, it's the sphere is cool. I think it is the most adorable thing. I love that thing making. I love the videos of, it of is, that it thing. It is a pretty cool thing, yeah. It, it is stupidly adorable. I just want to wave to it, even though it's not real. I, I'm weird about that. But, like, no, this, this, is, this is not going to last long. I have, to, I have to firmly believe this is going to be a massive financial loss for the city. They're going to look at... Fiscal year 2023, and they're going to conclude that it's not worth having this race to see the end of its contract. I very much believe that. This is not a situation like NASCAR in Chicago, where there was a lot of pushback from some of the government people and, you know, people in the government until it happened. And they were like, okay, we can accept that this was a good thing for our city 
Because keep in mind, how, I mean, it's not like they closed down that part of Chicago for very long. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it was only closed for a couple of months. I mean, was it a headache? Yeah. But Chicago has really great public transportation. Josh, you've been to Las Vegas. I haven't. How great is the public transportation in Las Vegas? Um, There's a lot of buses. There's no underground system. There's no... There's no, there's no, trains? there's no, what are there? A, are there like above ground trains or, or, or like, you know, uh, elevated trains? Is there no, elevated there's, there's, not, there's nothing like that. There's any trams, which I don't think there are. They're not a major people mover thing. I mean, it's a lot of, it's a lot of buses and a lot of walking. So basically what you've now said is, uh, in Chicago, you can hop on a, a CTA train, take a bus. You, know, you don't have, there are other ways. Or, or walk, take a bird scooter, wherever. There are other ways to get around Chicago. And uh, the uh, ergo, I think that's why the race was a success, even though a few, you know, there were people who were upset about their drive to work being delayed or detoured, but it's not like it caused major traffic headaches because there's, again, like I said, Chicago has a great public transportation system. When a city like, like Las Vegas that, as you've now said, Josh, does not have that great public... I, I think, I believe, I've seen that they have a monorail. Uh, I saw a video of the Sphere. Um, that's, um, that's, that's, that's very condensed. That's more like a... That's a, not... Quote-unquote resort-based. Okay, so that's not like a... That's not a public mon. Okay, so yeah, they don't have... It's public, public, but it's, it's more resort-based, yes. So what they've done now is they've shut down a major part of, of the city where peop- a lot of people work and or go to for recreation for leisure whatever Hmm. you've now made that inaccessible to people for mm, half of the year Mm -hmm. you gotta be kidding me if you think that this thing is gonna work again i I, that's where i think we're but f1 has committed so much money to las vegas that but if it Again, loses you gotta money, think it, it's not going to be worth it for another but, year. Where you've got to, to me, again, this is all about leadership, and I don't know how good Formula One FIA's leadership is. Um, <laughs> we, we keep, we, we are keep, we keep getting like, okay, where are you at mentally right now? But I think if I'm a leader, I'm like, okay, guys, this is clearly not working out. We need to figure out how we can make it work in 2024. We have to make it work in 2024. Um, we have to. We have to. We have to at least take steps forward, where we are not causing so much, so much issue for the for for the city. If you need to make this thing quite literally, like the Thermal Club with IndyCar, if you got to make this thing exclusive, make mm-hmm. it exclusive. Right, you know, there's you you like you you can't destroy the city building stands. Why couldn't you have built the stands higher and above the trees? Right, I think that's that was that would have been question number one for me. But I guess I'm I don't know if I'm too smart or not smart enough to be in that room. I'm probably too American. That's probably part of my problem. Um, yes, I would go there. Um, but I, I think this is too much money. They've spent too much money on a permanent location there, talking up for 10 years, 
for it to be a one and done. There's just no way. I, I can't. I can't. I can't. I can see it maybe going five, and maybe going and not going the full ten. But they've got to. Fi- they they'll have to figure out a way, in my opinion, around it. Well, we'll see. We'll definitely see. All right, moving on here. The Chevrolet won all three NASCAR manufacturer titles, but Ford won all four drivers championships. Do you upshift or downshift this, Josh? I uh, kind of downshift for Chevrolet. Um, they had they were the dominant car in all three series um, this year by far. Uh, were there drivers and Fords and Toyotas that were stronger? Absolutely, or strong and competitive against them? Absolutely. Um, but I gotta give it up for Ford. They were the weakest manufacturer in the Cup Xfinity and in truck, and they won all three championships. Found a way to do it. Um, kudos to them. Um, I'm sure Chevrolet's got a bunch of head scratcher. I mean, they were thinking that. I mean, it was the prior thing between them and Heim and truck. Allgaier had a really great shot. Uh, Mayer had been strong in Xfinity. And in Cup, you had arguably probably two of the three or four strongest cars all season long in Byron and Larson, and they couldn't get it done. So, um, yeah, uh, downshift for Chevrolet, upshift for Ford. Yeah, I, uh, me, for me, I mean, it's, it's obviously bad for Toyota for to have none of those, but you know, I think it's, I don't think it's good or bad. I think it's just kind of cool. It's a cool fact that we can say, you know, in the, uh, in the future. So, uh, honestly, yeah, I, I, I upshift. I guess I upshift. Uh, anyway, let's move on here. More NASCAR questions here. Do you upshift or downshift that Ross Chastain was racing Ryan Blaney too hard? Josh. I downshift. Um, I, 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 I truthfully uh, uh, have thought in the past that the championship four were given too much slack. Um, I, there's a point in time where if they're faster than you and they're catching you at a high rate of speed and can pass you and you're just being an a-hole and not letting them around, that's one thing. Ross Chastain was holding a line and was just and was and Blaney was not clearly faster. He was faster, probably had the stronger car, but he couldn't find a way around naturally around Ch- uh, Ross Chastain. He was doing Ross has in every other driver out there that the thirty there were thirty six cars out there and four of them were able to go for a championship. The other thirty two cars have every right to race for a win. Um, I appreciate the commentary out of both of them. Ross saying, I don't care, and I don't care, and I still won't care. And and Blaney saying, you're effing right, I, I, I hit him on purpose. I appreciate the commentary. It was great stuff. But also, Blaney could have backed off and been smarter. You know, it, this isn't all on the guy who was racing you hard because you think you deserve a, a pass. No, he's got his own team. Everyone else, the 32 people out there have their own team, own sponsors to answer for. Um as much as NBC and NASCAR, in some ways, rightfully so, make it a right, make it all about those guys, those four guys, there are 32 other teams out there who have every right to win that race just as much as them. Yeah, I have to uh, say on that one, that old Russ the boss was not racing him too hard. Uh, my thing is, if, if racing him too hard is, uh, is, 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 you know, punting him out of the way and and racing him dirty, and 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 really trying to uh, get in the fight. No, Ross was going for the win, which he has every right to do. He has every right to go for the win. Now, if he was out there trying to wreck Brian Blaney, and and, and 
multiple times, like getting into him, pushing him, you know, trying to trying to knock him around, you know, then I could say, yeah, that that's stepping afar over the line. But from what I understand, hell, Blaney hit him more than he hit than Chastain hit Blaney. I, you know? I mean, that is true. I think I think the count's 1-0. Ross just arrow blocked him a bunch. Yeah. Which is part of racing. So, yeah, I, I upshift. I No problems. No problems with me. I think Ross was making it fun. He was making it entertaining for everybody. So, thanks, Ross, for making, us, making it entertaining for everybody. And, uh, hey, Blaney ended up winning in the end, so he shouldn't be that mad. But he, for some reason, he was mad, I guess, in the press conference. I read some quotes for, from him where he... He was frustrated well, with Ross. I think he. Th- I think it was one of those deals where it, 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 I'll kind of relate to the last year where he played the good guy and let Logano win. I I do believe he let Logano win and played blocker if necessary. Uh, and never really came to that. Um, and he kind of thought like I put my dues in last year. Let me go. I do believe that was what what, what Blaney's crux was. That's fair. All right, let's move on here. Steve Phelps said that NASCAR still intends to build a short track to replace Auto Club Speedway somewhere in the Inland Empire, but the current economic situation is not ideal. Do you upshift or downshift that Phelps was truthful, Josh? Huh? I huh? Nothing, go ahead. Oh, I think... Um... I don't know how I want to shift on this one. I, I, I don't. I just NASCAR. The comments that Steve O'Donnell made about a temporary short track ring so loud in my mind that I just don't believe it. I don't believe it. Um, I think they're better off if they want to be in Southern California in a short track. Um. I just feel like Kern County is the best option. And uh, throwing a bunch of money that way. I know they that Kern County just got a brand new promoter. Uh, but uh, throw Kern County a bunch of money and uh, fix that place up to so it can host live pit stops for 40 cars and um, seat a few more thousand people. That's not really close to the Inland Empire. I understand that. Um, but... Uh, Southern California land value is uh is is very high. I just I don't I can't believe I'm at this point in time, so I kind of got downshift. Um, yeah, I'm getting more and more. I'm just getting more and more skeptical about this as time goes by, and now especially seeing the photos of Auto Club Speedway getting torn up. Which, by the way, this oh, is gonna sound. Bad. This is this this is gonna sound insane and it's supposed to sound insane because it's not supposed to make sense and it's not supposed to be logical it's supposed to be entirely an emotional response but i think tearing down a racetrack should be considered a felony that's my opinion so a, a, a racetrack as good as that one for sure i think it should be considered a felony this is again i'm not serious about this i think it should be considered a felony and anyone who does it should be forced. I don't know. I can't come up with. They should just serve some prison time. I don't know. Be, be like a SpongeBob. If you can't do uh, do the time, don't do the crime. Slam the door. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. you're done. Yeah. They. They. You know. I don't know. 
doesn't make any sense. But yeah, no, I I'm I'm very skeptical. I'm I'm very very skeptical. Uh so I am Yeah. I I think you know where I stand on that. Oh yeah, so I'm right there with you. I I will I will move on here to the penultimate question. NASCAR started the season with 15% lower television ratings compared to 2022, and it appears it will end roughly only 5% lower to compared to 2022. Do you upshift or downshift this, Josh? I upshift because I believe this confirms my theory that people watch broadcasts. Um, Uh, we went over this earlier in the year. Uh, this was the first year I legitimately, I've, I've, I, I make a point to always try to watch the cup races. Um, always try to. Sometimes the Xfinity and trucks uh, slip past me to watch them live. But always make it a point to try to watch the cup races. And this year was the first time where I'm thinking I don't care to watch the cup race today because of who's broadcasting it, and that's a problem. That that that. That's that's someone who's diehard fan, who doesn't want to watch a, a a cup race because of the of the broadcaster. That's a problem, and I think that's we. I don't think I'm the only one. I think people were were upset with what the product was uh, uh, being provided to via Fox, and I remember watching that Nashville race and thinking. NBC so much better. Uh, NBC definitely had some losses this year, um, and and I don't know what to make of it. I think that that's kind of one thing we just got to sit down and think about what is leading to lower ratings this year. But um, and there's probably several factors, but I I I, I upshift this because I think it just stands to reason that people just don't want to like the Fox broadcast right now. I, I, I think you're right about the Fox broadcast because they were terrible. I mean, the FS1 broadcast, and and again, I I know this is minuscule as well, but just not sending your announcers to the championship race is pathetic. It is truthfully pathetic on Fox's account, and I read somewhere that Fox was talking about how about the ROI that they get on NASCAR coverage. And I'm like, yeah, I bet I understand the ROI because you barely put any effort into it. Mm -hmm. Of course you're getting an ROI. Mm -hmm. At least ESPN was hemorrhaging money, but at least producing a better product than it started with by the time it ended its NASCAR coverage. Mm -hmm. At least it actively got better. Somehow Fox has gone in reverse. Like, ESPN coverage, I mean, it was notoriously horrible. And by 2014, we're all genuinely sad to see it go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it... it and and, and I, I, I do believe that, there, yeah, a lot of that is, is true. I think you're, what you're saying is right. I think I personally am le- I, I'm less excited about Fox races than I am about NBC races. And I'm not saying that because I work for an NBC affiliate. I'm saying because the coverage is better. And I know that a lot of the reason the truck series barely gets any views anymore is because of the bad broadcast quality. Mm-hmm. It There was a time where Speed Fox went all out for those truck broadcasts. Like, went all out. 
And those days are gone. To the point where they're not even sending their announcers to the freaking track. It's a, it's a, we've said this word already this year, Rob, lack of leadership, yeah. poor leadership. It's just terrible. It's disgusting. And I'm done with it. I'm sick of it. Um, I hope very, very much hope that, and, and well, I don't know if Fox has to pay more now for the NASCAR broadcast rights, then they're probably just going to cut costs even more. Probably what's going to happen. They're going to cut costs even more. I don't want to know how much they offered Kevin Harvick, but I can guarantee you it wasn't nearly as much as they were paying Jeff Gordon. No, no, I bet you're. I bet you're right about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm. Yeah, that's my feeling about that. I think that, but it's it's good that NASCAR ratings increased, and that's what Steve O'Donnell was saying. You know, especially in in modern television. Where if you look at it progressively year to year, less and less and less people are watching linear television. Mm-hmm. So when you look at ratings, you don't want to compare them to previous years. You really you want to compare them to your your share, the market share. Yes, you want to share yeah. it to compare it to the market share, and you want to compare it to basically what else is on. Mm-hmm. You know, how many people are watching? Like if NASCAR is second to the NFL, I think that's great. Yeah, if they're third behind the nfl and the nba i think that's great you know now if if they're behind the nhl now then then we should start sounding some alarms yeah if they're, right if they're behind if they're behind baseball and hockey that's definitely a problem yeah. well baseball is definitely ahead of hockey but you know it's probably different in canada but we're talking about america yeah i i, I feel like uh very strongly that as long as nascar is still you know, it, it, it's ratings, because that's the thing. You've got to look at that. I mean, for all we know, as long as NASCAR's ratings are staying consistent relative to the rest of the TV landscape, mm-hmm. that that might it, that might be good. And especially when we see certain increases over time, that's also good. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. then that means more people are watching NASCAR that didn't before. You know, yep. now the goal is to try and retain those people. And that kind of leads into our next question here is after 10 years of the NASCAR playoff championship system, do you upshift or downshift the playoffs as a whole ending the upshift downshift? Definitely on a big one, Josh, what's your take? I got to look you know, the way you, we, we NASCAR has had to change and adapt, right? Has to. Everyone has to. Um, I, 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 I don't have a problem with it. I, I think in general, it's made every race count. Whereas, you know, there are instances like this year and I think last year. Yeah, you've got, you've got um, multiple drivers eligible to win um, the the championship when you look at the points, but how do they race differently if they're going to a full year deal, right? How do they race differently? Does, does Kyle Larson not make that mistake at Homestead? Cause he's got to make every race count, uh, in, in a different way. Uh, it's a whole c- cumulative effort. And I think it's brought more money to, in certain facets to tracks because it's made every race count. Um, <sighs> Do does the racing purist in me say I like a year round championship better? Of course, but 
a modern day NASCAR can't do things like they did in 1989. It just can't. Um, and they have so many races, they've got to do something different. IndyCar doesn't need a playoff system because they currently only have 17 races. If IndyCar had 30 races, I'd be like, yeah, let's have a playoff system. Let's have a playoff system. Let's do it. Let's do it differently. I know that sounds crazy. Don't shoot the messenger. But And that's not going to happen. You're not going to get 30 IndyCar races because Roger Penske won't allow it. Um, but, you know, uh, even if IndyCar has 21 or 22 races, I still don't think they need a playoff system because... Those the, the, that series just doesn't need it. It won't support it. And I know you're like, hold on, Josh, truck series. They have a playoff system. Well, they got a copy cup now. I don't think it's worked in trucks and Xfinity very well. Um, particularly trucks. Xfinity, I think you could get away with it. But for cup, where, where, where clearly all the money goes, right? I think in general I have to upshift. It has made it exciting. It's put pressure in in on everyone to p- perform. I think y- you hear different takes about how you look at a championship today, how you view a season. You know, Blaney absolutely had a horrible summer, um, but you know what? He made the playoffs. Sometimes the best team in playoffs doesn't win. Eli Manning. Took the New York Giants to two Super Bowls. He beat yeah, well, a Patriots team that was eighteen and zero. Right? Yeah, I remember. The best, the best team doesn't doesn't win in a playoff setting. Supposedly, LeBron James is the best player to ever do it. He's got more losses in the in the in the championship series than than wins. I don't care what Nick Wright says on Fox Sports. I don't care. I, Guys doesn't know he's talking about LeBron. And hey, the Golden State Warriors have the best record ever in a regular season in basketball, and they did not win that year, the championship, because they were gassed. A lot of people have always said in in the NBA's account, like with with basketball, a lot of those championships are to some more legitimate because they they play such long series. So mm-hmm. it's like you have to win at least four games in each series mm-hmm. and then win the finals in four games in order. Mm-hmm. And sometimes those games can go to seven, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and, and so it can take a long time. And, and you know, the, the finals are not like a one winner take all. It's a seven game series right. to prove or usually a five game, but sometimes if need be six or seven. You know, it's a series that you are you have to play and, and prove constantly that you you are the best team mm-hmm. right and and with the playoffs in racing my and I don't mean to derail your opinion but my simple opinion is I have no issue with the playoffs I just don't like the one race to win it all and that's where I was about to go with. I think. Sorry, I apologize. If, if there, yeah, yeah. I think if, if if you could make a change, I'd like to see it be twelve races, three races each. The problem with that is, the problem with that is, you don't get that game seven moment that Brian France has nailed into NASCAR's head, even though he's not there anymore. 
He's nailed that in their head. We're going to gain seven moment every year. I think that's the one thing I would change. I don't know. I don't know how that. F- every race still counts. Every race still counts. And I would even have it say this too. In that last round, there are no stage points for 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 the for the playoff driver, for the four drivers in playoffs. It's all about your finishing position points. It's all about your finishing position points. No stage points. That might be a little too radical. But I agree. That's like the one flaw I find in this is that is that you it's one and done there at the end. I, 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 in general, I got an upshift. I think it's, I think it's good. I think it's good. Um, you can pro and con the playoff list. You can pro and con the chase list, and you can pro and con the season long list. I still think the playoffs are going to, from a, we, we want it to be entertaining. Got to remember, folks. Got to remember, NASCAR has definitely done some things that are gimmicky, right? But but entertainment is a subset of business. Sport is a subset of entertainment. And racing is a subset of sport. So you can't have business in without entertainment. And you can't have entertainment without business. That's all I got. Yeah, to, to my point, again, I very much felt like, feel like it, to play us do what they were intended to do and i think that they have gotten it down to a point where they it it is about as fair as it it can be obviously it's never going to be 100% fair a season long points championship is the only way you're ever going to be 100% fair right mm-hmm. but for what it is this is that this is the best iteration of it uh, yeah, but the way that it can be better is by not making it a one one person. I mean, it, uh, in all honesty, I personally think why why would if if they cut the playoffs down from sixteen to twelve and had the final round just be the championship four, I think that would be a lot more entertaining, from my opinion. Because number one, like we've always said, the bottom four drivers very seldom ever make it past the round of six, 16. <laughs> That's true, but didn't Ryan Blaney make it out round of 16? We, we both had Ryan Blaney out in the round of 16, or at least I think I did. Which yeah, I think but he funny. wasn't like seated. That's what I'm saying. Like the guys yeah. who are seated yeah. in the bottom four very seldom. And the, and I, that, this was a this was a point that also was brought up is the original chase when they originally made the chase the only, the reason why they cut did the original cutoff from ten was because they looked back at history throughout all the NASCAR championships that had been done up until that point and they they realized that no one had ever won the championship that was further back than tenth in the final ten races. So that's why they originally made that cutoff at 10, because that way you knew that one of those 10 drivers, no matter what, was at the very least a deserving champion. 
because based on history, no one further back than 10th had ever won a championship. No one further back than 10th with 10 races left to go in the season had ever won a championship. That's what they did. So what they should do, number one, and, and again, didn't hate, didn't hate back in the day when they had wild cards for wins, right? But I don't think you need wild cards now. I think you can take the top 12 in points, okay? Or, peep, you know, top 12 in points, win and you're in, still stays the same. But I think you make that last round, that Homestead-Martinsville-Phoenix round, you make that a battle between the four guys. Because like I said with the NBA, you got it, you have to prove that you are the best team when this is your only opponent. Now now you're only up against, you know, this other team. There's still five players on on there, but you got to you there's still five other players out on the court, but you got to prove that you're you're better than them and you can't just do it once, you can't just do it twice, you can't just do it three times. You got to do it four times. In this case, you can't do it once, you can't do it twice. You got to beat these guys three times. Which means you got to put Number one, you got to get yourself into that position, and then number two, once you're in that position, you got to go as hard as you can to win that thing. I think that would be more entertaining because then, again, you still have the opportunity for a quote-unquote walk-off win, right? Like the it, it the the championship because there's no like win and you're in. It's all about like getting as many points as you can. You'll see guys start to try getting as many stage points as possible, right? You're going to see guys, or in a lot of cases, hey, if I win a race, that's max points. And then it becomes a straight points battle. And that can be fun too. Because again, as we've always said, the big problem is winning a championship with what winning one race does not determine a championship. You can have four guys race for a championship, but you can't have it be done over one race. And that's what I really think needs to be done. Everything else about the playoffs, great. It, 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 do I wish that we had a full season championship? Yes, of course. I'm always going to prefer that. But I cannot lie that the playoffs themselves Maybe not so much the championship race, because the championship race always, to me, feels cheapened. Because you know that it's a crapshoot, you know, if, like with Christopher Bell. It, yeah. It, you know, what would have been more what would have been more entertaining, I think, if was if Christopher Bell had, you know, since he won at Homestead, he had a big points lead. And then he crashes, right? Mm-hmm. Now we have, oh man, Christopher Bell crashed in the final race. Now it's now it's really who finishes who in front of who. And instead of having that be artificial, it's much more natural. Now this championship battle gets more intense and exciting, and it doesn't feel gimmicky and cheapened. It feels more natural because it happened over a longer period of time. You know, these four guys have been racing each other for the last two, three weeks, and now of these four guys this is the guy that had the better of those three races and that's what i would prefer to see instead of just saying hey this is the guy who who got lucky on a late pit stop you know and that's how they won a championship you know some people could say oh that's how kyle larson won yeah well kyle larson also won like half the races in season that's being absorbent but he like 
I don't care how Kyle Larson won that championship. He was supposed to win that championship. Yeah. If he didn't win that championship, it would have been as big of a robbery as the 2020 championship with Harvick. And and I know, you know, Chase Elliott fans are going to disagree with that, but Harvick, right. was, Harvick was the best driver that year, and Elliott got lucky on late pit stops. Like, that's a, that, it is what it is. Like, mm-hmm. if that was a three-race round, I don't think Elliott would have been the champion. I don't. No. Like, and that's, that's what I'm saying is that's the biggest criticism that NASCAR has from fans. And that's such a simple change that they can do to enhance the playoffs. We've had 10 years of this now. Cut off the last four, have the final 12 race in the last 10 races, and then the final championship four, they run the last three races together. And best, best it's basically whoever gets the most points. So if you can, so it, it, it then becomes all about winning. It all becomes about stage points. It becomes about running up front and doing whatever you can do to win. And it's less of a crapshoot. I'm going to end it on that because I've talked for quite a while and we need to move on, but I still believe that. So hopefully a lot of other people agree. Um, this will be very, very interesting to hear some of your opinions on this, but let's go ahead and wrap up the weekend starting off with formula one and inner lagos the f1 sprint which the sprint race was again speaking of the sprint it was since since we're fixing things that are wrong in racing i just want to say uh the sprint should not have its own qualifying session and it should just simply be you qualify on friday you qualify on friday and you have your sprint race on saturday and uh the sprint race you invert the top 10 just like in f2 but it doesn't pay as many points. And then on Sunday, you have the Grand Prix where everything's back to normal. That's because then, that, because this is what I'm sick about. F1 Sprint, Max Verstappen. Grand Prix, Max Verstappen. He's already won the title. Imagine if he had to start the sprint in 10th and only had 24 laps to go from 10th to 1st. Would that not be more entertaining and more of a reason to watch the sprint? That would be a lot more entertaining. Lot exactly. More. If you're going to have a sprint, why not do it that way? Why just have it be an extension of the Grand Prix that doesn't pay as many points? That's what F1 needs to do. That's, I believe, firmly in that. But anyway, I digress. Like I said, Max Verstappen, good job. Also, there's a a very eventful start to this F1 race. Um, Probably Mm. the most, of course, Charles Leclerc. (laughs) <laughs> Poor guy, my God, Mamma Mia, Ferrari. I mean, he even said it. What is my luck or whatever? I mean, oh God, I don't know whether to laugh or cry for the poor guy at this um, point. Like the dude needs to leave Ferrari. I'm not even a big Charles Leclerc fan. Like I think he's a spoiled, rotten, like rich trust fund baby. But no, even I feel bad for him, huh? I said no, he is. <laughs> so is Lance Stroll, but. Most so is most of those people out there in the F one, they're all that way. Well, not Alonzo. Okay, oh, okay, most, most. Yeah, Alonzo's from the old breed, where they were moderately wealthy, but not super wealthy. But but they were just really, really good racers, like him and Kimmy. Not super wealthy, moderately wealthy, but you know. And then Lewis Hamilton came in wearing an earring as a rookie and winning it all, and being like, "Damn, you can have money and have talent." <laughs> I love Lewis. I still love Lewis. I, I still think I, I 
when I was a kid, I remember when Lewis Hamilton came on the scene, and I was like, he's an F1 driver? <laughs> I was like, cool. And now here, here I am, all these years later, being like, hell yeah, Lewis is probably the coolest F1 driver on the grid. Like, and I'll say that hands down. I think he's the coolest guy on the grid. I think he is the kind of person I want to have a beer with. I feel like he's just chill enough and just down to earth enough. But I feel like Lewis Hamilton teeters on that edge where he's a free spirit and an open mind, but he's not Danica Patrick bat poop crazy. <laughs> okay. That's how I feel about Lewis Hamilton. I love him. I love him for that. All right. Anyway, before I talk about more about that, we'll talk about the NASCAR weekend in Phoenix. Like we said, we wrapped up the week, the whole NASCAR finale week, uh, starting with the Arkham and Art Series West. Uh, William Sawalich won the race, but the champion was Sean Higgnerani. That happened. Okay. Yep. I got something to say when, when, when you're done with all the champions, too, by the way. About Sean Higgnerani? No, 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 no. Just about the champions. Oh, okay. Well, that's fine. Uh, and then in the truck series, Christian Eckes won the race, which he was kind of mad about because he thought he was supposed to be in the championship four. Would have been the champion. I mean, yeah. I mean, that, that big what if. Big what if. Uh, probably the, the, the end of the race wouldn't have been the way it was, but I digress. Uh, but the champion was Ben Rhodes, and of course Ben Rhodes does Ben Rhodes things and got incredibly drunk, so drunk that uh, his drunk ass literally raced a golf cart. I mean, I, first off, we could have had we could have had a competition on the show today about funny things he said during the press conference. Like, what was your funniest thing? We might we might do that later next next week. But that was I would I have loved laughed. It. I would have laughed really hard if him and Cole Custer got ha- like if he was him and Cole Custer just started drinking all that beer because mm-hmm. they they seem like the two people that would probably do it the most, right? Get yeah, stupid I, drunk. Yeah. Yeah, I could see him, but I could see him doing that. I that would be Cole that Custer would be that would be a good podcast. I, I just, just Cole, no, it's 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 um, you put a microphone in front of Ben Rhodes and Cole Custer, and then you just give them a case of beer and just say talk. And as the podcast goes on, they just get progressively more and more inebriated and just start saying wild things. And I bet it would be great. Yeah, off season idea. Yeah. Off-season uh, listening idea if you're not listening to our New Year's special. Um, anyway, in the uh, Xfinity Series, like I said, Cole Custer won the title uh, and the race, actually. He was the only only race winner this week to win the race and the title. Yep. Good for him. Uh, and then, like we said in the Cup Series, Ross the Boss Chastain became the first driver in the playoff era, which is 2014 to the current, uh, to win a season finale race and not be in the championship four, which I'll explain why that's impressive to me later. But the champion was Ryan Blaney. Which shocked me when it happened because the whole time I thought this is this is my this was my going into the race going into the race I did not have Blaney as the type champion I said most likely champion was going to be Willie B I said Willie B has had best season so far this year I'd be perfectly happy if he won the title also be okay if Seabell C- won the title you know he had a good season he had a really good season won Homestead uh, definitely had good playoffs but then he crashed. And then I was like, yeah, but if Larson wins, you know, he's he's worthy. You know, he's a good driver. Him being a two-time cup champion, you know, it would make sense. But then Blaney goes out there and just kills everybody in the last stint. I saw it coming. I saw it coming. He he He's had 
Great finishes there at Phoenix in the last couple of years. Penske has been good on those on these short tracks and mile and, and mile and less. Um, and I think Penske kind of plays the game. They play the game. They're like their goal is to we make it to the round of eight, we're gonna win. Because we're gonna make sure that round of eight, the three round of eight tracks and the championship track, we're gonna be great at those. And See, I, no, go ahead. Sorry, I didn't. I didn't I know you were done. Think, you weren't I done with the thought. Part of the that's just part of playing the game. So I saw it coming. I'm like, we saw how well they ran last year. See, that's that's I, when you mentioned that that's how they played the game. I was like, that's. I I looked at it and it took me a minute to reflect and and I was like, okay, but. Ryan Blaney objectively had the best playoffs. I think. I the think best he did. Playoff run. He had the best scores ten races, and then I was like, "Well, hell, that's what Jimmy Johnson did for five straight seasons." Yeah, it is. It is what he did. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Don't hate the player. Hate the game. Yeah. I was like, I can't. And, and when I looked at it that way, I was like, "Well, if he had the best playoffs, then I can't." I can't be that mad at him. You know, he did win Martinsville. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's not like he didn't belong in there. He, he, he was on, on a roll. He was, had momentum. He'd had, he just scored basically more wins this year than he had all, all year before. And he won Talladega. He won Martinsville. Like, it was like, I don't know if I could be all that mad. I mean, he was really good in the playoff, really consistent. And mm-hmm. look, I, I wasn't that mad. I it took me a minute to really reflect and say, okay, I could get it because again, as we were talking about, the playoffs is flawed, but you can't hate the player, you hate the game because as everybody, all the journalists point out, it's like guys race the race differently than they did with the old system. You yeah. race race races differently, so it yeah. it's not really a one to one scenario anymore because guys that normally would be points racing are actually points racing by trying to get stage points and stage wins. You know what mm-hmm, I mean? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and they're mm-hmm. taking gambles on pit stops and probably finishing in 20th, but picking up all those bonus points. You know? And that's that's how they race now. And that's fine, because I, I've never hated the stage points. Like everybody, well, There's a lot of people who don't like it. But I've never hated it. The only problem I've ever had with stage racing is throwing cautions at the end of stages. Yeah. Elsewhere, I felt like it enhanced the playoffs. It made it not only it not only did it the playoffs emphasized winning, but then the stage points emphasized having to run well. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't mm-hmm. like you can it it's it's not like anymore, hey, you can't just you know, run around all race and and go a lap down and maybe then come back here later in the race and and get a good finish and be fine. It's like, no, no, now you got to be racing up front because there's points on the table. Mm-hmm. You know, there's point, there's, there's points on the table here. So, you know, I, and, and they're treated like bonus points, which how did people race the old system? They would stay out to lead a lap to get five bonus points. Yep. That's yep. what you did. You, they would gamble on pit stops. People wouldn't pit on cautions so that they could take the lead or get good track position, not so that they could, you know, stay out front, catch a quick caution or anything, but to get bonus points, just like they do now. They stay out, they gamble, just so that they can get those stage points. Mm -hmm. 
it's it's the same thing with a different coat of paint, basically. Yeah, I would agree. Very very similar. I wish they still gave points away for leading the lap. I think it'd be more interesting. Yeah, but now it's more important. You want to be running up front. Yep. You want to be running up front at two designated points during the race. No problems with me. And again, I know it's not motor racing, but in bike racing, that's something that that's that's what they do. You know, you're you're there's points during the race, right? In a bike race, mm. where the sprinters who are trying to get those sprinting points, they'll make their way up towards the front of the peloton, and then race each other in the last two three kilometers, and then mm. they'll go real real hard because they all want those points. Same deal. Same deal. If it's if it's exciting in cycling, it can be exciting in racing, and we've seen that money times with exciting stage finishes. We had a four-wide stage finish in Indianapolis. That was for points. That ended up paying dividends in the championship. Because I believe, who won that? I think Willie, if Willie B won that, if I think I recall that he won that stage. And then he went on to win the Xfinity title. Or no, he didn't, but he went close. He came close. Willie B, Xfinity title? Did he win the Xfinity title? I can't remember. Yeah, he did. He won the Xfinity he did. series. He then, didn't win then, the truck. Then it mattered. Yeah. See, then it, no, I remember he didn't win the truck race because of complete BS, but the, oh, he that's didn't, how yeah. it mattered. Yeah. That's how it mattered. Those, even th- those exciting stage finishes, those end up mattering when you get to the playoffs. It's like, look, we can dislike it all we want, but we can't act like there hasn't been some fun moments. We can't act like there hasn't been some fun moments with this. You know, so look, in terms of because I've seen some tweets being like, "Oh, the, these champions are undeserving," and I'm like, "No, they oh, are. No, no, they're I mean, deserving." I, I think you gotta you gotta change your mindset and how you look at a championship today. I do. I think uh, we've I've brought this up before. I think drivers like Chase Elliott, Ryan Blaney, maybe even Kyle Larson. I know he ran a year without the playoffs. Um, these drivers are going to be judged by the amount of wins they have and the amount of championship four appearances they make more so than their championships. I think if a driver, if, if the driver like, like Blaney or Chase or Kyle Larson, uh, William Byron, these guys, Christopher Bell, Ty Gibbs, if they run 23, four or five seasons and they win four championships and make, Eight championship four appearances. To me, that to me that's equivalent to what Richard Petty did winning seven championships. Because I think that's how tough it is to get to that point and then to win four half of them. I think that I think again the record books are going to say they only had four, and Richard Dale and Jimmy had seven. But I think that's going to be slightly more impressive, or, or equally as impressive. Yeah. Well, I mean. We'll we'll move on, but yeah, I uh, the playoffs are here to stay, and we have to make the most of them for what they are. Yeah, you know, like I said, like we've been saying, they can be improved upon, and they have been improved upon. Like I said, mm-hmm. the stage races, stage points, awarding stage points was a great improvement. Mm-hmm. Um, and as I've said many times, I think it was good that Martin Truex had so many stage points that he was able to advance in the points. Because, again, don't hate the player, hate the game. But then, like I, like we said, he didn't have a good, good enough playoffs to make it very far. So he did not have a good playoffs. 
ultimately the playoff points helped him, but he didn't do enough to help himself in the playoffs. Right. So again, I don't hate them, and I don't think that they should have been stripped from him. You know, after the first round, he earned those fair and square. What he needed to do was win more races in the playoffs, which he failed to do, and run well. Which he run well, not necessarily win races, but run well. Run well, yeah. So, and I, I, just, I still don't think it would have been fair if Truex would have just been stripped of those points and then eliminated. It's like, no, he earned those points. We want to award a full season championship champion. If Truex was really good in the first 26 races and had a rough first five, there's no reason that he should be penalized that much for that when he scored all these points and scored more points than all these other people. And won those stage points, won those playoff points fair and square. That's what I'm saying. All right, we'll move on. Outstanding performance. Josh, who you got? You know, I'm going to give a shout out to Rosh Karuth. Um, he, uh... He ran, crap, where did he run here? 14th, and then number 17 for Hendrick Motorsports um, in his debut with them. Um, this was always a very interesting when this came out that he was going to be driving. Hmm. Roger Carruth in Hendrick Motorsports number 17. This is very interesting. Um... I think he's gonna. I think he he's being looked at as a, potentially a, a future corner sports driver, um, to take over one of the cars over there. Um, so I good car, good run for him, good good finish. Um, unfortunately, um, Boris said didn't get to have a good run in in the car at the Roval, but he Raja delivered here, good good run, fourteenth place finish. Um, I, to me that's pretty impressive. I mean, I know he's ran Xfinity races before. Impressive run with a big name team that puts a lot of effort into that car um, when it comes to the track. So good for Roger. And I wanted to say too, by the way, Rob, I'm going to selfishly do a plug here. Um, all three national NASCAR champions and all three ARCA champions this year were U.S. Legend Cars alumni. Um, that's pretty cool for for, for my company here um, that we can hang our hat on. So. And Raj is yeah. also alumni, too. Hey, that's pretty rad. Yeah. All right. You know, I'm going to give my uh, outstanding performance here to Russ, the boss Chastain, mainly because it is... I never thought it would be done, a non-championship four-driver winning the final race. I just never thought it would be done. I never... We, I mean, it just had not happened. And to, for us to have gone as many years as we did mm -hmm. without it happening either symbolized to me, which was the, the main conspiracy theory that the championship four cars were cheated up or that just flat they brought their A game and whipped everybody else because they were the four most deserving drivers of the year. It was either one of those two things and I think we proved that it probably was just the latter because Ross the Bus Chastain killed it. I think it also, to, to piggyback off that too, I think it was just that the, everyone else racing with like that 95%, you know? All yeah. right, you're going to go. And then there's Russ, who's just like, no, no, I want to win. I, I am a good driver, and, and that's what I think we like about Russ. A lot of people like about Russ mm -hmm. is his, his desire to win, and he doesn't really – I mean, he, he's got that Kyle Busch-like dog in him where yeah. he doesn't really care who he's racing with as long as if, – if he's got a chance to win the race, he's going to try and take it. Yeah. You know, and 
you know, hey, that gets people mad at him. That got people mad at Kyle Bush, but hey, makes you really popular. So yep. with the fans. So yeah. Uh, hey man, uh, why don't you go ahead and take it away with your featured season? Because uh, this was a fun season too. Yeah, so I know I did the 2012 NASCAR Camping World Truck Series uh, last week, but I wanted to share a season that our newly crowned NASCAR Cup Series champion Ryan Blaney competed in full-time in first. And uh, that season was the 2013 NASCAR Camping World Truck Series uh, season out there, which began on February 22nd and concluded on November 15th. Timothy Peters... Uh, he finished second a year prior, but now he finished 10th this year, scored two wins uh, at Iowa and Las Vegas. And ninth was Miguel Paluto. Uh, he failed to reach victory lane, uh, earning his first career win at Martinsville Speedway, Bubba Wallace. He finished eighth in the standings, uh, first African-American to win in uh, NASCAR National Series since uh, Wendell Scott. Uh, gosh, what was that? I think it was 1963, 64. It was late 63, I believe. Uh, Brennan Gaughan, Rob's, one of Rob's favorite drivers, Brennan Gaughan. Uh, he didn't win in 2013, but he finished seventh in the standings. Uh, Ryan Blaney. There we go, Ryan Blaney. He had one win. And it was at Pocono, and he finished sixth in the final standings. Jeb Burton, you talked about Jeb earlier, driving full-time in Xfinity Series again. He, he finished fifth, won once at Texas. I love um, that paint scheme that he'd had with, with Turner that year, uh, that, that four truck was just always good looking. Uh, Johnny Sauter finished fourth in the final standings, uh, scoring wins at Daytona, Martinsville, and Talladega. And third was the 2012 champion, James Busher. He won twice at Michigan and Iowa. Ty Dillon finished second in the standings, scoring wins at Kentucky and Texas. Uh, and the 2013 NASCAR Camp World Truck Series champion, becoming the, uh, uh, a first-time champion, was Matt Crafton, and he had a single win at Kansas. Matt Crafton was, was his, like his 13th or 14th full-time season, finally got it done uh, for Thor Sport. It was Thor Sport's first championship. And by the way, interesting fact here, Rob, uh, Thor Sport has now won like five out of the last 11 championships in the Truck Series for them yeah that's pretty good uh scoring other wins throughout the year kyle larson won at rockingham kyle bush won at charlotte dover bristol chicagoland and homestead austin Dillon won the inaugural race at eldora chase elliott won the inaugural race at most sport uh, canadian tire motorsports park and eric jones won at phoenix so that is the snippet the 2013 nascar camping world truck series season uh i still think 2012 was a little bit better but 2013 was still pretty solid too i remember watching a lot of these races a lot of fun watching the dirt the first dirt race uh and a lot of fun watching that truck race with with chase elliott battling there at the end of uh, the rockingham race as well um hope we hope national divisions return to rockingham soon oh, rob, don't we all yeah rob yeah, let's, uh, th- let's, show let's... Here. Let's wrap the show up because uh, it's been a long one. What's in the windshield? NASCAR is now on the off season. Uh, it won't return until February when the Bushlight Clash at Coliseum uh, comes back. But hey, the NASCAR Mexico Series is going to be there, and that's going to be a lot of fun. And then we got the Daytona Daytona 500 coming up here the third weekend in February. Formula One is back in two weeks, so no racing this week. This weekend, there's no racing, guys. Yeah, I mean, there's probably some small racing, but nothing major that. 
which is a bummer. I hate that. That's also daylight savings time too, man. This is a one-two gut punch of seasonal depression. I hate this time of year so much, Josh. Like the only thing I like about it is Christmas, and other than that, I am, I I would just do anything for winter racing. Anyway, uh, but like I said, we've got cup. Oh, we do have Formula One returning in two weeks with uh, the first Las Vegas Grand Prix since the eighties. Um, and uh. We'll see. We'll see how that goes. But then, after that, after Thanksgiving, the th- weekend of American Thanksgiving, we'll have uh, supercars wrapping up the season and the, at the Adelaide Street Circuit uh, in November 25th and 26th. Uh, looking forward to that, because, hey, we'll crown a champion. Unlike in Formula 1, where we already know who's the champion, we'll find out who's going to win the title in supercars. It'll probably go to, Bro- uh, to Brody Kostecki, but we'll see. We'll see. We'll see if Brody can uh, can hang on, and then it'll be Shane Van Gisbergen's final full-time start in supercars as he'll move to NASCAR starting next year. So some things to look forward to. But anyway, thank you guys so much for listening to this week's show. Uh, we hope you guys have a great off-season uh, for NASCAR, and we look forward to continuing to bring you some racing, some listening content to your ears. Uh, be sure to list, to follow us on Twitter if you haven't already. Uh, R Peters thirty three is R P E T E R S three three, R P E E T E R S three three. Sorry, uh, that's my Twitter handle. Josh can be found at roller underscore zero one R O L L E R underscore zero one. Then the show is at Robin Roller, spelled just as it sounds. R O B A N D R O L L E R. For Josh Roller, my name is Rob Peters, and this has been the Racing with Robin Roller podcast. Everybody have a great week, every uh, weekend.